Bearcat Bounce Podcast, back at it again. Happy Monday, everyone. Happy Monday following a happy Thanksgiving where I am thankful for each and every one of you. Happy Monday as well following the uh, season finale for the Cincinnati Bearcats football team in one, year one of the Scott Satterfield era, also year one of the Big 12. Also happy Monday where basketball finally returns tomorrow night at Howard. Very special Monday as well where we have a special guest. So without further ado, let's let, let's welcome in the pals, the guys, the Bearcat enthusiasts, Aaron Smith, Chad Brenda, Ryan Royer, and of course, very special guest, your director of athletics for the University of Cincinnati Bearcats, John Cunningham. Gentlemen, how are we? Doing good. Had a had a good holiday weekend. Minus uh, the unfortunate events of Saturday night, but uh, ready to get this basketball season cracking tomorrow night. We will be, uh, if you are available, you are more than welcome to join us. The one-year anniversary for Cincy Reigns. We will have a watch party. I will be there. I believe Kelsey will be there with me. Uh, it should be a good time. At Brian Geist tomorrow, uh, all the Cincy light you can drink. And uh, the Bearcats basketball taking on Howard. So looking forward to a big event tomorrow night. Bearcat Journal partnering with Cincy Reigns. Is is there an official start time for that, Chad? Or is it kind of just 7 p.m.? Well, that's tip-off. Yeah, doors, door, are open, doors open, open at 6. Doors are open at 6. Get there between 6 and 7 and, and get ready to – this is why it's good to have you here, John. <laughs> well, <laughs> Aaron, how are we, sir? I'm good. Made it back home after being in Cincy for the weekend for the holiday and all of that, and back yeah. and ready to do the damn thing. Lock in, Ryan Royer. How are we, sir? Looking good down there today. Thank you. I'm um, good. Just good holiday weekend. <clears throat> kind of had a little sour taste though on Saturday. Not the best way to end the year, but it was still good. Be around family. Kind of take your mind off of. A very very tough season, but like Chad said, basketball's picking up, so it's a uh, it's a bright spot in my uh, my sport watching commitments that I now have while no longer wearing the pads. <laughs> there we go, Lock in. and of course, what a uh, former resident of Lincoln, Nebraska, a, a former high school basketball, golf, and uh, cross country star. If I'm not mistaken. Ooh, stars uh, a stretch. Hey, we we like to stretch things on the uh, BBP here, but uh, current, of course, <laughs> we've already mentioned director of athletics. Thanks for joining us, John Cunningham. John, how are we? Yeah, good to be with you guys. It's it's always good. I was saying earlier when we jumped on, it's good to see Ryan. Always good to see him. You know, when we talk about life after ball, Ryan and a couple of his teammates are people we point directly to and just say that you know we got a lot of really really sharp student athletes um, amongst our 450 and they're doing special things even after they're, they're done and put the cleats up. So um, great to see Ryan again. John, Real quick, to, Brent. to you guys though, your administration. I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at without you guys job wise, life wise. So you got to take some of that credit. Well, it, it, that's, that's the beauty of what we do. And I, you know, as college athletics continues to be a little bit under attack and things are changing um, at the core, I still think that we we provide a really big service in terms of, you know, life changing experience and and um, 
you know, a, a lesson in leadership and, you know, tough, tough times like we went through, but life can be tough and, and you gotta, you gotta be able to, you know, bounce back and handle the, the good with the bad. And, and, um, it was a rough year for football, but, um, you know, these, these young men are going to be stronger for it and let's, let's bounce back next year and, and finish, you know, we just weren't able to finish a lot, a lot of times this year. And that, that just kept coming up. So let's, let's make sure we finish next year. Real quick before we get started. That's good though. Yeah. Thanks to Adele, Ryan Montgomery's mom. She has been here with us through thick and thin. And uh, Ryan, as John will attest, is uh, one of the beacons of light in the in the UC athletics program. Um, as much adversity as you could possibly battle through, and uh, he did it with a smile on his face for a long time. And a kid that every time he got an opportunity, made the most of that opportunity. So Adele uh, let Ryan know, and I let him know. I, I tapped him up and gave him a big hug after the game, told him thanks uh, for everything because he is uh, top-notch and uh, a first-class kid. So thank you for being here, Adele, and we expect you to stick around. And don't 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 vanish on us now. We want to see you in the chat from time to time. And, and, John, you can attest to that. Ryan Montgomery was everything that's right about college sports. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, and we, like I said, we've got a lot of those – young men and women. And, you know, that's one of the things that I talk to my staff all the time is like, let's keep highlighting, let's keep highlighting them because uh, they're special. And, um, you know, let's, let's make sure that we tell that story as much, as much as we can. So I, I agree with you hundred percent, Chad. Mom's John, let's best, um, love me some money. Let, oh, yeah. let, let's get started. Um, this is obviously, you know, day one ready, wanted to be, you know, hit the ground running in the big 12. You go through a, a situation where you go into the conference, you have a coaching change, you have to navigate the coaching change, you have to kind of work on the roster on the fly, um, as Scott Satterfield's staff had to do with exits and departures and transfer portal. And, you know, I think over two years uh, with something like 19 guys uh, in the NFL over a three-year stretch. Uh, from 20 to 22. Um, how difficult is this to see things not go, you know, as planned to, to see things kind of, you have a bunch of games early where, you know, the decisions are in the balance, you lose a bunch of one score games, and then it kind of gets away from you, which, which is, you know, unfortunately what can happen in sports uh, at times, but from the athletic director's department, how tough is this on you as an athletic director and, you know, your constant communication with Scott Satterfield and the football program and, and monitoring things to make sure you know, this is kind of a one-off and it's, it's not something that, that, you know, is, is more than an adjustment period. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard um, on everybody. And, but it, I think it's, you know, when you talk about being in the athletic director chair, it's hard because you see every day the F the uh, program and how how much they work for it and the, and the young men, the student athletes and, and how hard they're working. Um, you know, I, I think our strength conditioning program under Nico, it was really good leading up to this. Um, I think that we had very, you know, one of the things we, we pointed out is we didn't have a lot of um, injuries this year and, and they look at soft tissue injuries, I think is 
maybe the wrong term, but they look at, you know, pulled muscles and those types of things. We didn't have a lot of those. And I think that that speaks to how hard they worked in the off season, but there there's so much and Ryan can attest. There's so much that goes into it all year and you go out to higher ground and, and they put, they put in so much work to learn a brand new offense to look across and see, you know, 30 new members of their probably more was it 39 new members of the team and try to figure out who those guys are and build some trust quickly. You know, I think football is the ultimate team sport and you got to, you got to trust and believe everybody around you is going to do their job. And that takes some time. And, and that's what higher ground is all about is trying to build that. But, you know, even in a couple week period of time, it's hard to build that. And, um, you know, so, you know, you go through all of that and you open up and you, you, you know, win a couple games. Um, but to be honest with you, our depth was exposed in my opinion. Um, and I think that one thing we'll learn as we go into the big 12 is you have to have depth at every position. Um, you can't have holes. If you have holes at all, they're going to, those teams are going to expose you for that. They've had, they've had years of recruiting into the big 12 and, and building that, that youth and that depth up. Um, and I just think that we, you know, we just didn't have that, that strong depth. And some of that had to do with the new coaching staff coming in and the, the loss of, of some talented players and some attrition and some things that you do expect. Um, but you know, that it, it's hard back to your original question. It's hard. Cause I, I feel for our student athletes, our coaches, I feel for our fans. I never want to lose a game in Nipper. You know, I, I, I think that place is so special. I was so proud of our fan base, the way they showed up all year. Um, I was proud of the, the, the fans that came out for the Kansas game. That meant a lot to our young people and our seniors. And we don't want to lose. Nobody wants to lose. It's, it's painful for everybody. It's hard. And so now, like you said, this is all about making sure that we don't go through uh, a losing season again. I mean, that's, you know, losing seasons, you, you, you never want those. You, you want to end on the, on the side of having more wins and losses at a minimum. It was, certainly our standard is much higher than even that. But um, we know we know we got to build it and find, find the pieces. And that, that's been my conversation with this, this staff I was in with them today. And there's a lot of energy around, let's go. Now let's keep let's keep building. Let's keep figuring out how we're going to do this and and uh, build it the right way. And if you look at some of those teams that have had coaching changes in the Big Twelve, Kansas, Kansas State, you know some of those programs, um, you know takes a couple years. You get your 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 pieces to the puzzle in place, and then you get to you get a chance to go from there and really build it. So that's what we're going to do. I want to rewind real quick on something you just said. I didn't know what to expect Saturday night. Plenty of tickets sold, but you had FC Cincinnati with a playoff game in town. You had a tough season. Um, there were a lot of very, the weather, it wasn't exactly a, uh, a warm and comfortable night on Saturday. And I wasn't sure what to expect from the fan base. And for me, it was going to be a gauge of this fan base and the, their level of commitment in, in this new conference. And I was blown away. I mean, you knew the student section was going to be thin uh, because of, uh, you know, the holidays and, and, and being on break. But other than that, outside of the upper corners, 
um, which are going to be, you know, a little light uh, if it's not a, a rowdy, big time, you know, game. I, I, I just I thought the fan base was outstanding on Saturday night and a lot of credit to them because they showed up and they didn't have to. Whether they bought tickets or not, they didn't have to. And I was really impressed with with that performance. Yeah, I was too. Um, you know, we did a tailgate before the game. We we did one every every game this year. It was our biggest tailgate show out um, of the entire season. We did it inside of uh, the TUC building and invited mm -hmm. a, um, several sections of our season ticket holders and had our biggest our, our biggest crowd yet. And so that meant a lot to me. Um, and then you, when you walked into the stadium, it, like you said, it, it, it still looked good. It sounded good. Um, and a lot of people showed up for this team. And, and it means a lot. Now, at the same time, Chad, I, I, I understand how delicate this is. And I understand sure. how important it is to keep this thing rolling um, because it's hard to build and easy to lose. And I, and I really feel that. And um, so I, I, this, this thing needs to get going and going the right way um, because we, we owe it to, to our great fans that, that have put so much into this thing and our former players, you know, I, I had three or four former players that I was, I was talking to on Saturday and um, you know, over different generations. And it just means so much to them to have Nipper the way it has been because a lot of those guys played in a Nippert stadium that wasn't like that. And so um, it, it's, it's, very top of mind for me and I know our coaching staff, but for me personally um, to have that sellout streak, I told my ticket staff to work as hard as we could to get, to get those tickets sold, understanding there's a difference between tickets sold and, and butts and seats. But I wanted to keep that streak alive going into next year. Cause I just felt like it was one thing that we could really, you know, point to in terms of momentum. And now we got to go um, continue to, to, show signs of, of, of moving forward so that our fans jump on board again next year. I know they will. Um, and then we got to come out and, and play well next year. So, yeah, um, Ryan, go ahead. John, you mentioned former players. And I think being a former player, you just want to have teams out on the field and the fans would agree with this. You want to have teams out on the field that make you proud, make you proud to have played make you proud to have either went to the university or for fans that have just been going for years upon years. You want a team that just is relentless, is competitive. And I think a team that does that, I think you're going to have a way better product um, in Nipper. And you're not going to be having blowouts at home like we've been dealing with this year. And I guess that's just one message that I know as former players, we just want to keep reiterating because that staff, I know they're trying to get a hold on of, this culture and adjusting to the new ever-changing landscape of college football. Um, so it's just like, keep, keep recruiting, keep building relentless competitors. Cause I'm telling like it, sometimes that can get lost and lost in the sauce, you know, with, yeah. with football and having to adjust to this, the new NIL, the new transfer portal, all that, and trying to put your scheme in, trying to build a culture. And that's why I feel for these coaches um, it's just a difficult landscape, but it's not an excuse. And I know you, I know they know that. And I know you know that. So I, that kind of leads me into my two-sided question. Cause you mentioned the fans as well. If you have a message for the fans, cause the drop-off's been hard. It's been, it's been steep. What, what, what message would you be to the fans to say, Hey, 
how, how, how do you keep the faith in this program? And, you know, how do we rebound from this? And is there something that you can kind of put into words that can describe your vision moving forward? And the second part of the question is, what is that? How are you saying that to the coaches as well? Because they're trying to get a grip on what it means to be a Bearcat. So how do you, what's your, what's your kind of word of advice to instill that vision in the fans and the coaches? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. So a couple, a couple things, I think, you know, if you if you just go back to this season, um, and you look kind of through the through the whole um, uh, length of the season and kind of the ups and downs, you knew that there were probably going to be some ups and downs. But um, I would say, you know, we out we outgained seven of twelve opponents, and we we're in. You know, we had one score games um, most of the way outside of Oklahoma State, and then toward the end we struggled. But but our last two games, don't forget. Um, a bowl game was not a possibility. And for all the right reasons, we were playing a lot of guys that hadn't played to see to Ryan, to your point, like, do they have the heart to go out there and just compete and, and play and, and let's get some of these younger guys some minutes that they haven't had, especially in the second half. If you look in the second half of West Virginia and Kansas, um, we, we had guys in there that, that, that had not played minutes on, especially on defense in, in the backfield and things like that. So they're, they're, I, you know, no excuses. There's never – we've got to compete and make tackles and be in the right places and, and stop people and score touchdowns. Um, but I do think that there's some things to point to. We were fifth in the country in rushing. Our offensive line comes back. We've got a really a, – a, a show-out running back in Kiner that hit 1,000 yards and just runs like you – Ryan, you said you want guys that play – Corey Kiner runs hard, right? He plays that way. And um, so I think that I think we have some things to to immediately point to there. We've got to sure up some areas and and just get some some dudes that love to play football. Um, and I and I think we have a lot of those guys. We just got to make sure that we continue to recruit those those types of guys. And to your point, the portal has a lot of upside because you can you can have a fast track to getting better. It has downside if you if you don't get the right portal guys that aren't here for the right reasons. And I think every coach in the country, not just us, every coach in the country is starting to learn how to navigate that portal a little bit better um, because you don't, it is a speed dating situation and you don't get to know the guys like you do when you recruit them as freshmen. And so you really got to start, uh, you know, really digging in in a, in a strategic way. And looking at, you know, is it is it worth it to bring in a one year guy or can you go get a two two year guy that can that can ingrain themselves in the program a little bit better? Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that that coaches are starting to learn about the portal that I think um, that 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 we learned some lessons on as well. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm proud of these guys because I, I, I do think they they played hard Um and I think that we had, like I said, I think we had some depth issues and, and we were probably playing some guys that weren't quite ready for, for Big 12 at, at times. Um, but that's OK, because that's that's part of growing and getting better. So, you know, let's let's look for improvement. Let's look for that that edge that we should be able to have at Cincinnati. And let's go win ball games next year and, and win some of those close games and make sure that we finish. You know, how many times were we inside the 20 early in the year? and didn't get in that could have flipped our season right there you know so you could you could you could point to, to several things that could have made the season a lot different we just gotta we just gotta make sure we finish next year so the, the uh the wins and losses obviously are what they are and can't go back and change those but 
can you harness and, and find success in, you know, big new kickoff, Fox coming. That was a wild atmosphere. A lot of excitement going into that. Obviously, year one of the Big 12. I, I thought a lot of excitement at each tailgate, a lot of excitement, you know, on the road. And, and it seemed like overall take away the success on the field. But in the end, that's all that matters. It seemed like it, there were some successful situations and moments and scenarios that you can draw from and try and pinpoint those as, as something that you can use as momentum moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what I was, I, I was getting at now at the end of the day, it's when it's, it's W's and L's and, and, and to Ryan's point, how hard we play, we don't want to give up easy, easy scores. You don't want to have bad turnovers. You don't want to make mistakes you shouldn't make. Those are the things that you got to, you know, that's, you never want a fan base that kind of, you know, shakes their head. And at times I think, I think we just, we, we had some of those moments, right? So that's what you got to you're sure up. But I do think if you went back and looked at, at certain games, you, you'd say, man, we were, we were either right there or if we just finished or didn't make this play or that play, you know, momentum's a, momentum's a big deal in every sport. And if you win a couple of those games early, I think momentum shifts and you have a different story to tell, but that didn't happen. And so you learn from that, you move on and, and, but we've, we've got to go get back to what we know, which is tough, hard-nosed, disciplined football. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. John, it sounds like your, your, your message is really, you know, keep the faith. We're close. There's a lot of things that we need to get better, but we did a lot of good things, and we have, we have momentum going into next year, so kind of keep the faith. Um, am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, and I and and I also think that you look at you know kind of the Big Twelve and, and what the Big Twelve looks like year year to year, which is you know TCU's on top, then TCU's on bottom, Oklahoma State's on bottom, Oklahoma State's on top, Iowa State's on bottom, Iowa State's on top. I mean, it's just that is that league in in the parity. So you know it's it's driven by um, you know just kind of the the breaks you get throughout a year. I think it I think a lot of it for us again has to do with depth that we that we're creating um, because if you have an injury or two, you got to be able to withstand that, um, you know, and then, you know, everybody knows that, that it's a, it's a quarterback driven league, just like everything else. You got to, you got to find that, that piece and you got to have a lot of pieces around it. Um, but, you know, we've got to, we've got to be better. Listen, I, I'm not, I can, I can, I can dig in and talk, talk about it all, all day but everybody knows and feels it right I think it I think maybe that's that's the point I, I think more than anything is I feel it I felt much differently about the Baylor game than I did about the Kansas game right I felt like we played pretty freaking hard in the Baylor game and mm -hmm. it just didn't go our way we made a couple mistakes um you know and just you, you know th those are those are different feelings and then you know when you you know, you're you're in a game and then it gets out of out of hand. That that doesn't feel good for anybody. So, um, you know, I we we'll, we'll figure it out and we're gonna be we're gonna be tougher for it. I I do believe in that. I think sometimes you're gonna you know you want to find guys that love to play. Well, you're gonna find out who really loves to play um, by having a yeah. tough season. And it, and it does happen. People have tough seasons in college football. And then it's you know can you can you bounce back and and get after it? And and um, I think we got the right the right mentality to do that. I agree John, with what you were saying with that last. Oh, are you sending them all? No, I was going to say real quick. I was going to say oh. the conversation around West Virginia, the entire off season was not when Neil Brown was going to be fired, but like how many games into the season before they fired him, 
and they go eight and four. Like in this league, especially, there's such a roller coaster. Um, and I would say even more so now with the two teams that are leaving, there's such a roller coaster from year to year. There's not that sustained hierarchy like you you see in a lot of a lot of other leagues, which creates the opportunity to go from struggling one year to winning the coin flip games the next or doing better in the coin flip games the next. Um, because that, I, I talked about that a ton in the off. This is a league of coin flip games. Are there probably, unless you're at the top, are there probably going to be one or two teams that are really good and one or two teams that are having a down year? Yes, but everybody else is like this. And that's not most leagues. Most leagues, you don't see that. Yeah, no, I I agree. And we talk about it as ADs in the room and, and they kind of all tell that story, which is from year to year, you just, it doesn't feel like you know. Uh, in the Big 12, who's gonna who's gonna have that breakout year? Um, so so it's so it's open. I mean, you can you can you can go get after it. Um, you know, so I I believe that. And um, but boy, you got you gotta you gotta be able to have have all those pieces in place, and you gotta be able to bounce back from a tough loss and not let it get to you, and and not let not let. Um, you know, some of the negativity that can that can pop in affect you during the season. Even look at Oklahoma State. Remember how they started the year. I mean, all yeah. of a sudden you you thought, but that's a, that's an example. That's a good example of a team that didn't let negativity um, get into their their locker room and um, a veteran coach that that pushed them through. And now they're in the championship game. So um, you just got to have you got to be you got to be willing to to handle the ups and downs in the Big 12 because that's that's that league. Do you have uh, anything that you're you're searching in and being an AD that you're honing in on? Like, how do we get to the top of the pack? What is something that you feel like you're trying to investigate about? How can we drive that consistency in a league where it's not that it's not like the American, where you have those top dogs who've been established for years upon years? And is there something that that you're you're finding in your journey in the Big Twelve, like? Oh, I'm, we might be able to do this better and this better and this better. Kind of set us apart from that pack and get back to the t- being at the top of a conference. Yeah, I think our advantage is Cincinnati, and our advantage is Ohio um, in every one of our sports. I think that separates us automatically. Um, and when we talk about that with all of our sports, you know, I mean, people, if you look kind of at, at where people are moving, pe- people, young people, want to be in cities now. And that's why the university is continues to go up in terms of admissions. And I, and I think there's a lot to be said for what our school offers, what the city of Cincinnati offers. That's why it's so important. That's why it was so important for those fans to come out at, at that Kansas game. Cause we had recruits there, right? We had, we had young men that were looking at it and saying, and asking the question that Chad was asking is how, how, how are they going to show up? And they showed up. So that tells you a lot about that, about a fan base. So I think our fans, our city are things that we that will separate us from from other schools in the Big 12. And, you know, the the depth of talent in and around the 300 mile radius, we talk about it all the time. I think that that continues to be something that we we point to in every single one of our sports. Uh, John, you've been on record as as having fall be your favorite season. I uh, just wanted to get a get a pulse on the other fall sports outside of football and stuff. Could you just give a, a, a quick, you know, ring around on how those seasons went? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've talked some about soccer. I was really proud of that that program under a brand new coach um, to go out there and compete the way they did. Um, you know, they had a lot of they had, had a lot of decisions, which were for them ties um, and, and a few really key wins in the Big 12 um, for their for their first year in the Big 12, um, including one over Baylor in the in the Big 12 tournament. Um, with the last second goal, that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, one of the great moments of of the fall for me. Um, so I was really really proud of that program to go to go compete the way they did. Kind of you know finish middle of the pack in the Big Twelve, but coming off of a you know a season that wasn't was okay in the American to step up. I think they did that. Volleyball, kind of the same story. You know, Molly has a really young team, Molly Alvey. Um, and probably, you know, one of our best players is a freshman and, and a couple of our other top players are sophomores and, and juniors. So a lot of pieces coming back for Molly's team. Um, another team that that, you know, won some big, big 12 matches um, that that was nice to see because they, they really took a step forward just in terms of, you know, this this soccer team could have beat last year's soccer team this volleyball team definitely would have beat last year's volleyball team right if they if they matched up so we're taking steps forward there um and i'm proud of of coach Alvey. He has a really top level recruiting class coming in in 24 and then again in 25 so she's recruiting into the big 12 um and it's a it's a tough tough league so uh, that'll be that'll be fun to see what what she does here in the future um you know we had we had some track success um swimming's off to a really strong start especially on the women's side um so you know we're, we're i'm always watching those things and we're going to celebrate the wins when we get them uh because in this league they're it, it you know you, you got to because it's these are these are top level programs championship level programs across the board i was there we talked after the houston volleyball match <laughs> and what their their entire almost their entire rotation of of uh players were uh, either seniors or like fifth year, six year super seniors. Um, and the, their middle, I, she looked like she was like 27 years old. Like they were old, old uh, coming into the league. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, we talk, I mean, Wes Miller and I talk about it all the time. To get old is pretty important now. If you yeah. can get old, get old, stay old. Get old, stay old. Um, you see it in every sport, you know, fifth year, sixth years. Those guys, those guys and young women make a difference because they've seen it all. And um, so the more we can, the more we can do that. And that's part of retention. That's part of Cincy reigns. That's part of NIL is you don't want to lose your top players. And um, when you have a top player, you got to try to do everything you can to, to make sure you keep them if they're the right fit for the program, obviously. And um, so that's, that's going to be important going forward. Uh I want to have one more question on, on, on football. You were part of the, the uh, whole athletes village when you were at Minnesota. Um, and you mentioned how you thought potential recruits would view, you know, how they would view the place during their official and unofficial visits. Is that kind of what you envisioned a bit with the uh, indoor practice facility and the performance center? And also, can we get a little update on the progress of how that's going? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I think Ryan can attest to this. It, it's, there's so much time that they put into the facility in terms of just the number of hours that they spend there. So when you talk to coach Miller and coach Merriweather about what the, the, a difference that locker room and that um, lounge area has meant to those programs, those kids don't go home now. 
now they now they don't have to go back to their dorm. They just stay in the lounge and hang out and, you know, create those bonds. We talked about going to higher ground where well, that's a two week thing. Well, if you can if you can really create some deep bonds by hanging out together, that makes a difference. And and so we're starting to see that more in basketball. And obviously football spends a lot of time together. But but, you know, we don't have those that that hangout place like you do um, once once we build this new facility. So, um, yeah, it's going to make a big difference. It's going to be a beautiful it's going to have everything you need and more. It's going to be top level as good as anything you're going to find in the Big 12. So it's certainly something we'll recruit to now um, and all the way through, obviously, until it's built. The other thing I've, I've been so excited about is the nutrition center that's going to be a part of that facility. And again, you want to talk about a place that you can really come together as an athletics department. It's going to be open to all of our student athletes and all of our staff. And um, it, it just it means a lot to be able to sit down next year, athletes during mealtime and have them interact with each other. And um, it can really create a really special bond. I saw that happen at Minnesota because my first year we didn't have it. Second year it came online, their, their nutrition, all sport nutrition center. And it was a it was a game changer uh, for the whole department. So excited about that. Uh, John, I had a question for you about the football stadium, I guess. Um, the Ring of Honor has been a point of conversation for quite some time for fans, for players, uh, past and present. And I'm just kind of curious as to when anything uh, is going to be done to update that as it's been quite some time, uh, even before your time. Yeah, um, Aaron, good question. And it's one we talk about and have been uh, discussing quite a bit here recently. Obviously, move the Ring of Honor up to an actual ring above the stadium, which I think is the appropriate way to do it and, and created an opportunity to kind of expand that Ring of Honor. So what happens, I think, when you have multiple athletics directors and multiple visions and, and things that, that have occurred over the last 20 years at Cincinnati – um, you get some disconnect on uh, Hall of Fame versus Ring of Honor and how you determine who fits where. And there's a lot that goes into it. It's not as easy as just starting to throw some names up there, although we need to because we got some people that, des that deserve to be up there and will be. But you also want to think about the timing of it. Uh, you don't want to over overlook anybody. Um, you want to think about the criteria and who fits that criteria and why they fit that criteria. Um, and, and are they in the hall of fame? Are they in the ring of honor and not in the hall of fame or opposite? You know, there's just a lot, there's more into it. And I want, I want to do it the right way. So we have a committee now, um, that we formed that, that I'm not on it, it. Chad, you, you are, uh, not on it. No, I'm sorry. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to try to get you on there, but I'm, I'm not going to put you on it, Chad. No, I'm sorry. I mean, I've been here. Yeah, for a long we'll, time we'll, now. How about how about in a consultant role? We'll we'll call you. We'll bring you in. That's yeah, no, that's Honestly. I prefer that role. Yeah, yeah. Limited I, responsibility. You call me. That's my yeah, role. Chad, I'm in. Right. But you got to graduate from the school to be on the committee, Chad. No, you don't. You got <laughs> honestly. I we're gonna call a lot of people. We've we've talked about that as a group. We said we've got to we've got to reach out to those that have been around, um, and and really understand this place and understand you know what it means. Uh, to be up there. But uh, so we're going to do it. They, they, I, I could have really made this answer short and just said, yes, we're going to put the people on there that need to be up there. Uh, we absolutely are. We have a lot of people from from a couple different generations that should be up there. So 
look soon to uh, to start having new Ring of Honor inductees as well as Hall of Fame inductees. We want to do that the right way too. I got a great promotional idea. There's these two guys I know that run a podcast. Um, you you put them in together, you get the podcast on campus. <laughs> you, you've, Maybe the uh, biggest pop star in the world stops by. Yeah, it that sounds is. like you've been in some of our meetings, Chad. I, I think <laughs> I'm going to start looking underneath my desk for a bug. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. Chad never misses a beat to shout out. Shout out that podcast. Shout out T Swizzle at New Heights, baby. Good mix. It's awesome. Good Good mix. Um, Um, Go ahead. Go ahead. One more. You said one more. I thought you had one more. I was just going to say, I mean, the night got a little better. The the team that's not too far away from uh, the team with Cincinnati on their chest fell today. Um, So let's roll into basketball with that thought. Yeah. I'm going to say something controversial. Tonight, I I want Xavier to win every game but the UC game, and I don't know. Maybe that's not the way to think about it. Now, not every game because that would mean. But I I truly I I believe I believe it's I believe Cincinnati as a city is great when both of those programs are great, and then it makes it even sweeter when you win that that game. So, um, you know, I you know maybe maybe when they get to a tournament game, you can you can start to uh, change your mindset. Or maybe I will, but I, I really do. I, I don't know. I, I haven't been here as long as you guys. I don't have the scar tissue and the, and the, and the deep seated, you know, uh, thoughts. But um, you know, in my mind, if if both of those programs are make it to the NCAA tournament every year, and then that game becomes a top ten, top fifteen matchup every year, that's not a bad thing. So um, it's been there. It's fun. It's a lot yeah. of fun in town when both are good. Yeah. Uh, and and look. I like to mess around with Xavier fans, but I, I, Chris Mack, when my wife was sick, Travis Steele, Chris Mack, both of them, uh, including the guys on their staff above and beyond out of their way to, to offer support and, you know, whatever we needed. So I, I, I don't, I don't hate Xavier as much as I play into the narrative, but I do smile a little bit when they lose, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, the first time I was with Wes um, and we went to we went to Cintas and, um, you know, that was that was one of our that, that was a season where fans were back finally. And we we go yeah. there and um, I was kind of interested to see how he reacted. And, and you know, the, the team comes out. Head coaches always come out last. It's very right before the tip. And he comes out. I'm sitting behind the bench. And I'm looking at him and he just looks so ready to go. And he looks at me and he grabs me and he goes, I love this S. <laughs> and he just, started, he just he was like, this is. And so it, he wasn't about like feeling intimidated or anything. Like he lo- he's like, this is this is what it's about. And um, I, I think it was just that North Carolina Duke thing that that blood was pumping the way it, the way it did for that matchup. And uh, so I, I think. I think he eats it up no matter if it's played at fifth third or Centos. It's it's it's, he's, it's always a fun fun matchup. He's Duke I Carolina. If he he's Duke Carolina, he has like that's you have yeah. to love that. It becomes yeah. who you are. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And he has told me that he thinks this is more intense than Duke Carolina. Ooh. Mainly because it's it's once a year, they're in the same town. Like if you lose the first game, there's not a 
a chance to get him back or get him back in the ACC conference tournament. Like he truly has bought in to like, this thing's a big deal. Well, and there's, there's not really a close second, you know, I think it, you know, North Carolina, you can play Syracuse or you can play North Carolina state or you can play, but here, I don't think there's a close second in terms of what that, what this game means. So um, I, I just, it's intense. And, and if you don't, if you don't like that, then you're in the wrong profession. Um, tickets to that game. Is there, or is there anything going on that's not going to be at Centos or um, anything you want to get to on that front for the shootout? Um, I'm sure there will be a round town. We don't have anything specific, Chad, okay. um, in terms of a, a watch party. You know, we have, um, you mentioned the Howard watch party here coming up. Um, so that game's on ESPN plus. Um, so check that out on Tuesday. Um, I do want to talk about, you know, Dayton. Obviously, there's some clear reasons to do that that I can't fully talk about in these new these new uh, rules of NIL. But there was a there was a reason to play that game and play it where we're playing it. So I hope people will understand that it, it makes a difference for both of our programs in a very positive way. Um, so that 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 kind of uh, led to those conversations and that game getting done. Um, obviously being played down at Heritage Bank. Um, we won't know the game time. This has created angst, but we won't know the game time until December 5th. That game's, I think, on the 16th. We won't know the game time until December 5th because of the NFL schedule and whether in the Bengals being able to possibly play on, on Saturday or Sunday and flexing. So um, as soon as we get that game time, we'll, we'll get it out there. Uh, but please, please take the time to invest in this program and, and buy tickets to that game and get down there and check out a really, a really fun matchup with Dayton. Um, it'll mean a lot to our, our program. I know Dayton fans will come out in droves. That's going to be a really, you know, one of their big games of the year. So we got to, we got to reciprocate. So I ask people to do that. Um, but yeah, those, those things are, are, are coming up and uh, it's important to keep filling fifth third. I know we will. It's an exciting time and we'll keep fighting on uh, Jamil and, and see, see if we can get him going too. What, what was your response when you saw the alien Aziz Bandego walk out onto the floor for the first time Wednesday night? I had I had flashbacks to the first time I saw him because I traveled with the team down to Utah Valley. So, yeah. <laughs> and I remember looking at him going, who is this dude? And I, you know, and I think like everybody else, you know, you start trying to figure out where did this guy come from and what's his story and, and, you know, and they had a lot of other really good players too. That was a really good team. Um, but so, so the, to have him wearing Cincinnati Bearcat gear is, is pretty special. And, you know, I, I remember talking to Wes about how important he was to the team. And, and he just said that when we, when we scrimmage, if somebody's got a Z's, they have an advantage. And, and so that, that means a lot to me that, you know, we, we want him on the floor. That, it, it's going to be crucial as we go into the big 12. What does it say to you about your head coach, the way he stood up and, and made a stand for Aziz and Jamil still, as Jamil's situation's going on? Um, it it would have been easy to just kind of, oh, well, but, but Wes went the other way. Yeah, he's a fighter. I mean, that's who he is. And that's why he looked at me at the Xavier game, and he loved the fact that they were booing him nonstop. He loved it, right? That's who he is. He's a fighter. And – um that's who you want. You know, you want somebody that's going to battle 
in, in everything, recruiting, in game planning, in, in work effort, all that stuff. And that's who he is. So um, I, w- I wasn't surprised. He's also one of the best coaches I've been around with, with a microphone in front of him. He has a way about him to, to tell a story, to tell it the right way for the right reasons. Um, you know, when he, when he did his press conference for us, I went in to see him 10 minutes before the press conference. And, um, I had, I had typed out my entire press notes and I knew exactly, you know, I've been practicing and, and I go in there and he was just starting to take notes. And I said, coach, what are you, what are you going to say? He's like, oh, I don't know. Let me take a couple notes here. And if you remember, that was the, that was just a remarkably good press conference about being fired up. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. saying all the right things. So um, that's who he is, man. He, if he wasn't a head basketball coach, he'd, he'd, uh, motivational he'd speaker, he'd a politician, right? And, and, and uh, <laughs> so I'm glad he's a basketball coach. Two feet in, 10 toes down, man. Uh, fired mm-hmm. up. That, that was a phenomenal speech. I, I, mm-hmm. I did take a, I wrote an article right after the, the speech because it had me fired up, to be all, all honest. But, uh, mm-hmm. no doubt. Uh, when it comes to, uh, this, this team as a whole, because I, First, mention how you thought the uh, whole MTE event went at Fifth Third. Uh, seemed like each crowd has been pretty solid so far at Fifth Third as well. But just the Wednesday was special, obviously getting Aziz back. But it, it seems like this team is really meshing very quickly. And uh, they're obviously out in the D.C. right now. And it looks like, you know, it's been a lot of these bonding and culture building things that's kind of really putting them together and, and having them have that confidence and momentum as a whole. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, number one, to play Howard, you know, um, an HBCU and and the, the history of that program and and um, to go to D.C. and then uh, to take the extra day to go down there a day early because because of the opportunity to get around and see the monuments. And most of these these young men haven't done that, probably. You know, I'm, I'm fairly sure. And so to get a tour, then um, a private tour, I think tomorrow of um or maybe probably no would have been today of the african-american history museum right and and that means something and that's special and that's a bonding moment you know so it's just doing all those right things by these young men because because it is about experiences as much as it is about anything else you remember that for forever um but yeah i'm i'm obviously proud of of this program and and what he's got going and and how tight-knit they are and um I think that will pay dividends as we as we move through the year. And maybe a lesson, slight lesson in patience when things weren't exactly built uh, immediately when he got here. And now in year three, yeah, ground I, feels a lot more stable, right? Yeah, and I, I know he's he's talked about that. He's talked about that with me. He's talked – Wes has talked about that with Coach Sat. It's – that first year is tough. Um, when – when you know, I mean, they're, they're Bearcats, but they're not – they're not players that you recruited and you're trying to get everybody to mesh and come together. And that's not always easy to do. And, um, you know, so, so it's just a challenge that that first year is typically a challenge for coaches um, no matter what it is. And, and uh, so, you know, I think, I think Wes felt that and, and has expressed that to coach Satterfield that that first year is really, really difficult. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, eventually you, you, you get, a bunch of guys believing in you and your program and what you're about. And then that's when you, that's when you can do special things. But I, I, Brent, I didn't answer your other question about the MTE and I want to, because I, I think I was on here 
few weeks ago talking about it. Um, we tried something different. Yeah. You know, I'm just just real honest. You know, the the concept was let's let some people that don't get to usually sit in lower bowl buy tickets. I think I think that first night I was actually out um, at a meeting, but I think that first night went went fairly well. Mm-hmm. The second one was uh, a Bengals game right up against yeah. the Bengals game as they're they're trying to fight to to stay in the playoff picture and and um, that's a hard thing to do in this town and so um, it wasn't as well attended. But uh, you know. I don't. I don't know. We'll we'll do a a full look and and decide if that's something we'd ever do again. Um, you know, I I'll have to decide on that. But I was I was I, I did get a lot of feedback from people that had never sat down there. I got some feedback from people that sat on the front row, that paid eighty bucks to sit on the front row and and you know go go experience that club and eat and drink and all those good things. And they were they were blown away by the experience. So um, you know, I think some good, some bad out of that, uh, MTE, but, um, it, it created some confusion. So I think if we do it again, we've got to just message it better. So, uh, one of my best friends is, uh, one of the chefs that work over in that club that you talked about. It, what can we arrange on maybe trading out my press pass for one of those bracelets for like 30 minutes, uh, pregame. Yeah. I, <laughs> that I stuff think is good. I'm telling you it's, it's good. It is good. It is good. I think. What I are think they chefing up? Oh, we, we've done shrimp carving done, stations. Yeah, we, we've mean, done all kinds of stuff. We did we did uh, breakfast tacos one game recently, and yeah, good desserts. Like it's it's pretty high level. And then we expanded it to um, if you if you notice we've yeah we've we've added we've we've been able to take it out in the hallway and open these two these two double doors up and and got a lot of compliments on that because it's starting to get tight in there. And so that that experience down in that club is, is pretty special. I think our, our I think our um, our Champions Club has has done a better job food wise as well. Um, I've gotten some good feedback there. We're always we're always trying to make it better. It's always a challenge to to, to add new things and do it the right way. And and but at the same time, you you always got to have your your conies as as well and and your and your go to. So it's a balance there. But um, so we're, we're we're we continue to try to obsess over our customers. I believe that if we if we fail, if we miss, I need to know about it. Don't be don't be shy. I know you won't be, but I do try to fix things if if we don't do things well. And um, I'm constantly talking to our staff, um, Anthony Defino and others about let's make sure we continue to obsess over our customers and make it a great experience. Win lose, you know, we we've got to have top level, Big Twelve level um, experience for our fans. Press box food took a big step up this year, so thank you for that. All right, that's good. We we've got we've we've got somebody handling um, our Airmark account now. That's that's really really doing a nice job and and cares a lot. And that that's where it starts. If that person cares, then um, everything else tends to work pretty well. We felt the care. Good. <laughs> Anything else you want to get to? We've taken up a considerable chunk of your time. Um, is there anything else? happening that uh you maybe want the fan base to uh catch up on yeah i mean i i I think about away game tickets for big 12 basketball games um you know we've had some questions about that to get those you you go to the site of the team so if you're if you're trying to get to kansas or oklahoma state or whoever it is you got to go go there and buy those tickets if you're if you're going to travel to see the the team in the big 12 and then the other one is the big 12 championship in kansas city I mean, it is going to be a special, special, 
championship um, this year, obviously, obviously with Texas and Oklahoma, but then next year with the four new schools coming in, that's going to be a high level um, ticket and a lot of great basketball. So I'd encourage people to, to look into that. You buy them through us. It is a points related um, pecking order. So we will use UCAT's points. And so it's going to be important that you, that you understand um, where you're at in terms of UCAT's points. And we'll, we'll help you. Um, if you have any questions at all, um, you can call the ticket office and they'll walk you through the point system and, and really help you out. Do, uh, I know there's, I know there's a lot of people looking forward to going to the fog in January. Have you been and any advice? Yeah, I never have been, um, actually. Are you going? But I'm going. Um, I caught Travis Goff, the AD at Kansas, uh, before the, the before the football game. I said, we're, we're coming and we're going to need tickets. And so he, he said he'd do everything he could for us um, to, to help us out. So. Um, you know, we're going to try to, we're going to try to do everything we can to secure some tickets. We'll, we'll, we'll probably take a donor plane out there. Um, but you know, for the, for that, for the everyday fan that, that, um, isn't on that donor plane, um, you know, go, go to the Kansas athletics department and work through their system. And, you know, let, let's, let's try to get as many Bearcats as we can into that, in the fog Island. It's going to be pretty special. How many media passes do you think they'll let me get? Because I think we're planning on taking a Bearcat Journal van and driving to Kansas, and it might be all of us. I'll, I'll push for as many media passes. We're gonna we're gonna use media passes. We're gonna use, you know, whatever it is the what a Ticketmaster, you know, whatever we can do on the secondary market. We're gonna buy them all up because I I think we're gonna have a lot of fans that, that will want to partake in in uh, a game at Fog Allen. So. Um, yeah, luckily, luckily, there Kansas didn't go anywhere. So if you miss them this year, catch them again, maybe next year or the year after. And and uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to get there. So if you can't do it this year, do it later. But I, I'm telling you, there's a lot of great basketball venues. Um, Oklahoma State's got a great basketball venue. Um, you know, uh, I know Texas Tech packs it in. Kansas State really underrated the octagon of yeah. doom at Kansas State. When I was when I when I had my two uh, twin boys, we had this this thing that we shaped as an octagon and we put this soft floor down and I called it the octagon of doom after that Kansas state thing <laughs> battle Royale and that thing. But, um, but there's a Iowa state, Iowa state is, I mean, there's some people that say that that's the best atmosphere, atmosphere yeah. in the yeah. country at Iowa state. So, um, you know, I'm West Virginia shoot. It's going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait. I know. And, and it'd be, it'd until you actually get to the week of the games and you go, Ooh, they got what three? What three opponents this week? Well, that stretch uh, that was... with with Kansas on that Monday, it's like boom, da boom, da boom, da boom, yeah. and then Kansas is big Monday, which I mean, no one's complaining. That's just high end basketball week in and week out. So we yeah. do we we do all have to remember that you you don't you don't have to win every game in the Big Twelve, right? right? I mean, you go yeah. five hundred in that league, and you're in pretty darn good shape. So um, you know, let's protect fifth third, win those home games. And then you know, find a way to to steal a couple on the road, and we'll be in great shape. Amen. All right, John. John, John your jump man looks nice. By the way, yeah, thank you. You made yeah. the switch to basketball. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, yeah, I did. I officially did. I started <laughs> digging into my closet a little bit, so I got. To, hey, real quick, I was with uh, Coach Merriweather uh, recently and got to see them play. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a big twenty point victory over Kentucky. Yep. Um, their three losses are to 
top-ranked Louisville, top-ranked Colorado, and top-ranked NC State. I think they're all in the top 15 maybe. So uh, that, that program's playing hard, and you get a chance to, to support our women's basketball program. Please do so. That was um, a loaded, loaded paradise jam that they were in, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really was. So, um, But anyway, so she's doing a nice job and, and has some nice pieces, and, and so um, support that program too. But uh, Abby, Abby, Jump's, Abby Jump's dad was a coach on my city championship baseball team and also my sixth grade teacher. So I've literally known Abby since she was a toddler. You know, she's got the best swag of anybody in the department. Oh, she trippy. goes, she goes old <laughs> school. She goes old school Bearcat stuff and she buys all this vintage stuff. She had on a pair of canes. Anybody know what canes are? K-A. Yeah. Like yeah. she had on this pair of canes and had all these Bearcat stickers on them. And I mean, so she's got, <laughs> she's got she's first rate. First yeah. rate. Her, yeah. her dad did not have that kind of style. Yeah, I don't know. He was an yeah. excellent teacher and coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's a great person. That's a great staff, a fun staff yeah. to be around. They really like each other and, and work hard. So. And Abby Owings, one of her teammates, uh, was was one of Kelly's like Kelly's primary nurse for you know four months. That's, that's yeah. She's she's high level too. I'm telling you. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Appreciate All right, appreciate you. Thanks, John. We'll All talk right. soon. All right. Thank you, John. Have Thanks, a good John. Night. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. I mean, Wes Miller last week, 50 minutes. Athletic Director John Cunningham this week, 57 minutes. What the hell's going on? What? what next week, what are we going to do? Have a first-team All-American? Taylor Swift. Former first-team All-American on the show? Can't wait. We're going to have Aaron Taylor Swift exclusive interview. <laughs> Just the two of them. <laughs> Just gonna, gonna play this game yeah. without Ryan this week. We, we definitely need to get T Swift on the show somehow, some way, if that's possible. Go ahead, Aaron. My bad. Uh, let's get a timestamp on that bad boy. Dang, Royer. As, uh, they, they, they sued you out, man. Yeah. I want to get a timestamp on this bad boy. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family owned restaurant supply company for all your non food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries. They provide a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom. I was gonna make the uh <laughs> I was gonna make a funny about uh I was gonna say so does your UCATS points decide how close you get to be to the stage when DJ Shaq Diesel's up there. Blair, Blair I, I, I stayed away from it. It's so. a good thing you didn't. I, that was good discretion. I, I could have gotten a smile out of him. I was going to ask him as well if, if tonight he's going to have gumbo or if he's going to have peach quesadillas. Wow, how about that? But uh, stay away from I that. Just, I just hope everybody's happy there's finally some type of answer on the Ring of Honor and we can stop hearing about it on the board you have the, been obsessed with that ring of honor no it, it's it always comes up on the boards why don't you guys ever ask about it or on twitter why don't they, why doesn't anybody ask about it well it's finally been asked about and i think we got a pretty good answer 30 waters i agree man make a make a funny was was not the intent it, i mean it was the intent it just didn't land so <laughs> make a make a fool maybe hey, look Does that make you happy 
I, I don't think he backed away from anything. No, I think we asked him the questions people were looking for him to be asked, and I don't think yeah. he ran and hide, hid. No, like no, I think it was very straightforward. Yeah, I, so I mean, football's hard to talk about right now. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, and and Royer, obviously, you uh, you've got the former player moniker next to your name. You've got you know a lot of different things going into it where you do have a pulse on things and you do have a connection deeper than, than the fan base and whatnot. And I thought what John said was, was pretty damn spot on about how, you know, Hey, he, he sees all that. And when, when the guy at the very top sees all that, that, that means a lot of, a lot of things. And it should mean a lot of things to former players and fans as well. Yeah. I, I was trying to see if he, I, I really want to get his perspective on what he's saying to the coaches, because, you know, you're always playing, you're, you know, you're trying to like dish out a message to the fans because, you know, the fans are the ones who scream the loudest, make the most yeah. noise. Um, and they could say a lot of, you know, ridiculous things sometimes. But kind of rallying around Satterfield, like how, how, how is he helping him navigate this? Cause he, you know, he's, he's in a bad spot. You know, you come into a program and you're, you're, even though he's not doing this, but, to the fans, he, it might make it look like he's just bombing, bombing the program right now, like going three and nine in his first year. It's hard for people to have forward vision. So I was, I was really trying to see if he, if he's really done anything in terms of kind of writing the ship for Satterfield or like giving him tips or kind of giving him a message because there's you know, only one thing you can give him right now, Ryan NIL money, money, money NIL money. That's the only thing that that's, it's the only thing coaches are worried about right now. Forget all of that stuff. Can I start the portal season with XXX and NIL dollars? And if the answer is yes, then you're supporting your coach. And if the answer is no, then they yeah. get fired like Tom Allen, who on the way out says, hopefully for the next coach, Indiana embraces NIL. God bless. God bless John. Cause he could go get him a fat stack of cash and it doesn't mean shit. You know, he could go out and get, Right, every name, but they could still fucking lose three games again. Um, just kind of like we didn't like we didn't go get, look like, at all go look at Texas A and M. They yeah, spent all the money on all of the things. Just National championship at, look, coach, yeah. number one recruiting class, and where where did it get them? Two years later, Jimbo Fisher is fired, and they owe him seventy six million dollars to go away. Yep, sounds good. <laughs> But oh, I, sign me we up have all like a, day. we got a little dumbed down version of it with our team because not that we had like an A list NIL poll, but we had some names. We had some guys who were like, "Well, this yeah. this seems to address these problems or this problem at, at different position groups," and it kind of you know you it all kind of shit the bed when it when push came to shove during the year. And and John was alluding to that with depth because we we can only you can only fill so many so many roles. You can't fill. 50 spots in the transfer portal. Like you need, you need like 40 to 50 solid players on a team because you can't just have one and two deep. You got to have three deep at sometimes you got to have a stout special teams with, with, with look, so look you, no farther than the NFL 53 players. That's what the NFL yeah. is deemed. You better have 53 good players every Sunday. Yeah. They're ready to go. It's not like you don't have guys like me who are, who are like fourth string linebacker and like, two special team unit guys like that. 
it, it's different. And Bearcat and, legend. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, don't forget that part. But it just shows that you, you need depth. Like you can't yeah. just have 20 – because that was something Fickle, Fickle staff really caught on with, with – uh, we need 22 guys on offense and 22 guys on defense. And one A, guys one B. Are, yeah, and then they're, they're, sometimes they're crazy asses go, we need a C, we need a 1C here. <laughs> Just like stupid <laughs> shit like that. But it makes sense because, you know, got, Sammy goes down. You need, you need two guys. You need at least two guys behind him. Yeah. Shit, you need probably three because what if one guy gets hurt? What if two guys aren't playing well? What if someone else goes down somewhere else in the secondary and you got to rotate shit around? Well, yeah, and, and I mean it's a play-by-play basis too. I mean, like the, the one or two series that the backup is out, now you do have that third stringer in or something along those lines. That's when the opposing team could exploit that and and get a quick touchdown or two. Um, it, you know, and, and also when it comes to the NFL, as we're seeing across the league, it's it's hard to find a, a good quarterback and. In, in college football, it's very quarterback-driven. If you're not the elite top-of-the-top teams that, you know, obviously you're, you're built everywhere else, you need to have that elite quarterback. So I I actually have been pretty, not surprised, but kind of just, you know, it, it it is good to see how candid first Scott Satterfield was about the portal when, when, when asked about it. He brought it up about three different times and the post-game presser on, uh, on Saturday after the game and then, you know, John right here. I mean, it, it, that's two people, like people are just embracing what it is. You know, you could have some sort of a view about it and, and be like, yeah, it, it stinks that this is what's happening in college athletics, but it, it seems like it's been more of an, they're embracing it and they're embracing the, the, the need for NIL on top of it. So it's going to, it's going to get crazy here. You know, obviously today has been pretty wild, but I imagine all this week leading up to December 4th, it's going to continue to just get even more crazy when it comes to not only just what's happening here at UC, but across the entire college football landscape. So I like how you mentioned quarterback because that it, the portal is, is kind of a good spot for a quarterback. You know, we didn't get very lucky in terms we in terms of potential I, landing Emory Jones. I think the potential was there, but execution yeah. didn't turn out to be, but I, I think, it's the portal with quarterback wise. I think you can get guys that have good experience. And if, as long as you can feed the offense into them, I think the portal is a great way to go get a fifth year quarterback looking for a sixth year or a fourth year quarterback looking for a fifth year at a smaller, at like a smaller school. And he wants to make more money and stuff like that. I, I like the quarterback position and the portal, but sometimes when it comes to, you know, position player position players like on the o-line or in the secondary when you don't have a lot of tape mm-hmm. and there's not a lot to judge off of unless you get them into a game that's when it gets kind of like well do we want to build a, f- a whole freaking defensive backfield in the portal probably not um maybe one or one or two solid guys that could come in and compete but it's not going to be ideal if we're just looking to fill like it i feel like in college football now the the you know the uh, offensive defensive line is huge, and you were mentioning the quarterback, but the secondary man, the way just as important as the quarterback position is, you yeah. need a secondary that can adapt to this. The offensive schemes that they're throwing around nowadays is nuts. They're finding ways to beat everything, mm-hmm. so you need a secondary where you got guys across the board that can cover, guys that can tackle, guys that can block defeat because everything's RPO, everything's 
finding seams, getting uh, mismatches. So I, I, I the secondary look, play is changing a lot. Here's the reality, Ryan, and this is what you're getting at. I think in football in 2023 in college football, there are two things you can't be bad at: throwing the ball and defending the pass. Uh-huh. And this team was bad at both of them. And when that happens, it tends to tank everything else because it makes it impossible to defend if they know third and seven doesn't even matter. Like we're going to have a guy wide open over the middle on third and seven. So whatever we do on first and second down doesn't really mean shit. Like we've watched the tape. We know what these guys are. Third and seven, we're going to convert. And then the first time they hang their heads, we're going to jump on them and it's going to roll downhill. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, because you can't – even as solid as our running game is, like having a solid running game is like, yeah, 150 yards to 200. Yeah, you do that, that's great, but you can't keep up with – if you're letting up 300 passing yards, no matter how right. good your yeah. run attack is and how shitty your offense uh, passing is, like if you mm-hmm. can't defend it, you, you don't stand a chance. Exactly what you're saying. Run games are built to play with the lead. We've talked about this all season. That's what this team was good at. It's what they couldn't – accomplished when they did accomplish it the one time they did they won the game um if you're playing from behind and you can't pass whoo, <laughs> you're never gonna Rest catch them disaster. you're never gonna catch them i you know i i think the whole fan base saw some pretty eye-opening things as far as stats that yet yeah, that are crazy but maybe in the grand scheme of things like what you guys are kind of getting at really don't mean too much like Time of possession, you might as well just throw that out, you know. And, and overall plays ran, probably throw that out as well. Uh, I, I think explosives, and I'm sure this is what you know you're you're really starting to see. The staff is probably going to want to hone in on as well. Explosive plays is something that they probably want to get established because, I, I mean, you can finish top ten in the country in rushing, but you know if you're running seventy yards and then getting stopped at the five and having to kick a field goal, then that's that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> in the end, it's not right. Not at all comparative than than someone hitting a fifty yard touchdown pass. Explosive so. plays is a is a key metric that both offense and defense keep track of. For the defense, you want to keep them under a certain amount, and for the offense, you want to get a certain amount. And yeah. on defense, you want to like we call them havoc plays. You know, quarterback pressures, sacks, fumbles. Yeah forced fumbles recovered picks pbus like though like and keeping track of those plays because those are the difference makers you know you could you you could play solid defense solid defense the whole game but you're going to need to you're going to need to cause some havoc on the offense too because you need to make a difference you need to you know, find a way to get the get the ball and win the turnover battle um that's what's going to kind of get you over the hump and you you see that across the board all across college football, every defense and offense are honing in on those things. Which I, I mean, Chad, you mentioned it coming into the season, the, uh, you know, the bright spot being the defensive line, but also kind of the tough spot being, you know, can, can they pressure the quarterback that, you know, they're really good at, at kind of clogging things up in the middle and making it tough for, you know, certain aspects of, of opposing offenses. But in the end we saw this, this group didn't quite get after the quarterback the way that, that we all hoped coming into the year. They didn't quite at all. It, 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 yeah, at all. Yeah. It, that had a connection to then 
the lack of turnovers. You know, I don't think they recovered a fumble in the final, like, some odd games throughout the Big 12. It, it just 13, was 12. Yeah, it was, it was just, <laughs> it was bad. I, it, they, I mean, I, I meant to go look at this today and I forgot. Um, it had to be four or five games in Big 12 play that they didn't have a interstate, they didn't have created turnover, they right. didn't get a sack. Yeah. Oh, for like, I mean, you're not going to win yeah. in, in football in 2023. If you can't sack the quarterback, you can't turn the other team over. Eventually, the dam is going to break, no matter how good your defenders are. Uh, fundamentally, uh, guys are in the right gaps, and they weren't all year. But I'm just saying, even if you're great fundamentally, if you don't create those havoc plays, you're done. Like it, it's just so much harder. The margin for error becomes so thin when, guess what? Even if the other team got two sacks and one interception, yeah, like they set you back twice behind the sticks and they took the ball away mm-hmm. and you didn't do any of that. And that shit adds up. Like it, it, it doesn't feel like it does in a one game kind of window but extrapolated over five, four, five, six games like we saw where they didn't have the advantage in either of those categories, you can't win consistently. You can't. Yeah, and I think offense is kind of – they saw what we did versus Pitt, and it's kind of like, all right, we're just going to fucking send the house. And Pitt had a really bad quarterback, which kind of saved our bad defensive backfield that we – right. We, we discovered throughout the year. So, so offenses are like, all right, we don't have to fucking, we don't, we'll just get this ball out. They're not going to be strapped up on our receivers, at, at least across the board. We can find one or two quick options to kind of fight this pressure and this clogging that our defensive line was good at. And it, it was, it was the perfect counter in a lot of ways. You saw it week in and week out. And, and then it kind of, it might've kind of like staggered us back into more of a passive approach because we kind of discovered, yeah, we don't really have the coverage capabilities that we need to be throwing these Brian Brown pressures that he's known for and his defenses. And therefore we weren't getting those, um, those havoc plays. Yeah. I, I mean, they finished 115th in the country in sacks on the year. I, it just, you know, and, and Tom Frank in the chat has, you know, it's a talent problem, which now you're going to see with a full off season of going out and, and trying to find, you know, pieces of, out of the portal, getting the incoming freshman class, getting players on the team that are coming back the next season. You're going to have the ability to put together a little bit more firm of a roster that you expected. I mean, today is the one year, uh, Chad and, and Ryan, you know, what today, uh, Chad, you probably know, Ryan, do you know what today is the one year anniversary of? Luke Fickle. Yeah. It, it's only been one calendar year. That's that's mind-boggling to think about. And you know, now is the time where with a full off season, I, you know, you heard Satterfield in the press conference after the game, he said we're going to we're going to dive right into it. We're going to go all out, try and get everything in line and you know what? This will be a time where you see, okay, is it the certain pieces just weren't in place? And, and it might take more than just this one offseason, but you're going to start to see the pieces that they do target and had more time to target come and be on the squad. So I, I think that's something that, that definitely will be something to, to, to track as 
the whole entire transfer portal season goes on and leading into the off season as well. Yep. But I don't know. I, it's we could do a deep dive on, on the entire year, but I, I think like it's, we we're, were all singing the same tune towards the end of each, uh, each game. Yeah, I'm ready to be done with it and, and wrap up. Yeah. I, I mean, Ryan, I guess I can ask you, you know, obviously being a former player that you are and, and kind of knowing what that feeling is inside of the locker room and inside of the program or whatnot, but the transfer portal is real. Uh, I think this is going to be the one off season where we see it kind of blow up college football because it, it seemed like people were kind of tiptoeing around the thought. And then this past year, you saw a lot of, a lot of quarterbacks in, in general go to certain teams and kind of show where, you know, where they can, Hey, I can go here and get immediate playing time and, and actually make a name for myself or, you know, certain players that, that decide they want to move on as well. What, what's your thought when you see these names enter, entering the portal off of the team this year and kind of just, I don't know, everything in general, it, it, it seems like it's going to get pretty wild here within the uh, upcoming, upcoming couple of days and current time. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. I, it's, it's, you know, the thing is that that kind of sketches me out is you never really know why a player's leaving. You're never it's gonna be hard like some of these guys, it's like how do you what's the dirty laundry? Are you are you money driven? Are you, did you not get along with your coaches? Is it you problem? Is it your coach's problem? Um what what kind of player are we getting? Because you know when you, you want your best players to be your best leaders. And it's hard to go out and just buy talent and expect it's going to fit. And that's, that's like my only concern. So there's a lot of guys that, that have a lot of snaps and they sound like every, it sounds good. What's their price tag? What kind of people are they? It's hard to sift through all those things. Um, I thought Emery, you know, we, we got him here. He had potential. I thought he was a great dude, just struggled. Because you know he had a guy who transferred twice. He he took advantage of that portal twice, and it kind of some might say it might have you know really ruined his career. Not because he wasn't talented, but just like the adjustments of different offensive coordinators, schemes, confidence. Um, you know, it's considering all those things and different players that we have. It's just hard. It, it's crazy. It, it's like it's it's like the NFL free agency, but worse because. There's more more people and and less less uh, identification for them. So yeah. I I don't really I, I don't really know what to think about what to expect. It's it's gonna be crazy, man. It, today was crazy, you know, seeing the guys going that that are going, and you're like, well, I wonder how crazy it's gonna is it gonna be crazy disappointing or crazy exciting to see who we bring in. You don't you have no idea. Yeah, Chad, your pulse on kind of the day. Um, obviously, this is expected. Uh, I mean, you see it all around the country, really. You know, it's it's not quite just like everything's going wrong. Everyone's entering the portal. It's it's something that is just college football now. Well, it's also exactly outside of one player, Jeff. I I disagree with you on it. There there was so far there has been one entry into the portal that that I'm confident the staff would have preferred to have back. Right. And that's Miles Montgomery. 
And to no fault of Miles, I understand Miles believes he's RB1 somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be Corey Kiner here. Corey won the job. So does that say bad things about Miles? No. It says he has an ambition and something he wants to accomplish, and he's going out and trying to achieve that. Right. More power to him. I, you know, that's how this works now. It's it's far more transactional than it's ever been. So you got to get your mind around there are going to be transactions. Just like there are a bunch of guys that are in the portal right now from today that did not surprise me. What have I talked about for weeks? If it's a guy that is from the previous regime and is not on the two deep, it's time to probably figure out, do you, is it going to work out here? Right. And do, do if you're going to play, it's probably going to be somewhere else. I mean, Ryan, how many, how many of your teammates do you remember that were on the three deep after two or three years that moved up, that made it to first strength? It's just, it's that, that doesn't happen often. No, it's not because they're they bring in guys that they want to be ready to be a two right away. So it's just a constant evolution of each position group. Um, but you know, it's 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 a it's a practice. They they did they did that to the uh, pickle staff did that to the Tuberville staff when they pulled up. Um, right. It's just it's just kind of how it is. It's like, well, this is the conversation where it's like you can stay, but. About a 99% chance you won't play. Or you can transfer. The decision's yours. And right. guys can read read the writing on the wall and they say, all right, well, I can either fucking be a crazy person and stay and try to prove them wrong, or I can just bet on myself and leave. So that's why most people are gonna leave because it is a it's a losing battle most of the time. Very uphill. As, as, uh, as bad as it Stu, sounds, Watley, you know, as much as it sucks sometimes. It's transactional. It's business. Mm-hmm. There's billions of dollars on the line. Everybody's making money now. Like, I don't want to be like, I'm allowed to be an asshole to the players because they're making money that's not coming from me because it's not. Or if it, they're like, you know, I paid $50 into the collective. Uh, so that player uh, owes me something. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I'm getting at is if college sports is going to continue to be your thing, your brain has to shift a little because the entire landscape has shifted. And if you're not like, I get the people that are like, I'm not okay with it. Like I, I, I think less of college sports now. Yeah. It's, it's very much what it, well, for the players, for the schools, it's, it's been, professional for a long time for the players they're finally starting to get their cut on the back end and and people want to lose their minds about it but i I don't know man i just getting worked up over it and and seeing like you know a transaction happen and like going to your twitter feed and freaking out i don't i don't get it it's 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 where we're at would you like to keep all of the best players yeah would you like to, to tell all the, sh- the crappy players or the guys that you don't think are going to contribute to get lost, I'm sure you'd like to do that too. <laughs> it goes both ways. Yeah. It's a topic that's going to continue to keep unraveling as as the uh, offseason progresses. So 
Um, it's where we're at. That's where we're at. Uh, so, I, I, you know, it, it's just a and, – and, you know, it sucks because, yeah, like Stu mentions Justin Watley entering the portal. That, that's a guy that, you know, I remember doing his his commitment article, and it was, it was a guy, Chad, when I was first starting, you and I were going back and forth about a lot, you know. It's just so – it's it's things like that, like guys that that go in and 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 do what they can and whatnot, and so you just hope them the best of luck, and you and you kind of move on about it. So, um, it's something where it's in the hands of the staff for the most part to to build a team that they think will have the most success on the field. So, in the end, you've got to wait and you've got to see and you've got to just trust the process and the in the way that's that's where we are in, in college football and college sports in general in in 2023 i mean you saw Wes miller took some big key additions on the on the basketball court out, out top of, the, of the roster baby and top of right. the roster right go get top of the roster dudes and and people that can mix just with get dudes yeah people that can mix with returning players as well and now all of a sudden you've got a team so it's it's a lot different with football just because of the numbers game, but when you break it down, it's it's not too too far off. Just got to go out there, target and get. And, and luckily, you know the the recruiting staff that has been assembled has they are on top of it in in every single way that they possibly can be. So it's going to be a fun thing to watch as they go to work. You know the off season is. Not only the time to develop kids, but it's the time to grow a team as well, and and that's what they're all going to be locked in to do. So, and here's here's one thing I think that that will be uh, long term different that fans will notice with this recruiting staff. Mm-hmm. They are not recruiters, right? By and large. Like they're like they're recruiters, but they by trade by nature, evaluators. they're talent evaluators. They're scouts. Yeah. They're they're people with t- a million ties into the scouting world mm-hmm. like I, it's a different approach um like I, I think chad bowden which worked uh while he was here and pat and max uh did a great job recruiting while they were here but yeah. they were recruiters like if you had yeah. to pick what they were best at it was the, the interaction and yeah the rate yeah that that side of it that's not to say that these guys aren't good at that it is to say their background is scouting it's got and that's going to be the foundation of what they do at you know and and when that's the case maybe you see a kid that's a composite four star and you put on the tape and you go "Mm -mm. nope either that's not what we see in terms of his rating or that's not what we see in terms of the other stuff that we find out uh off the field whatever but there there is a difference when it's a scouting background um and uh i don't know if it'll be on this podcast just because of the days but uh zach grant's gonna join us right either on the night of signing day or the day after signing day um on the the bcj pod to kind of give everybody a better feel for where they're at like what their process is what it what they're looking for um so look we're, we're doing everything we can to get you guys all of the information on these shows. Mm-hmm. Everything we can. So hang with us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun couple well, months. Well, and guess what? Next next Monday is, is December 4th. On top of having a yeah. really awesome guest to talk about 
the exciting week that is ahead on the basketball court, we're going to also be able to dive in full depth of names that Cincinnati is connected with and whatnot, because that's the December 4th is the official opening of the right. transfer portal. So that will be the show where if you want to hear this, that, and the other, then, then, then lock in on that one. But yeah, for now it's going to be a week long of, well, this is like this. What did I call it? It's like this is the uh, the legal uh, contact, the the legal illegal contact period, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But the NBA just decided like we're not going to make you wait until that day because everybody on that day, all the deals were done. So now there's a legal illegal tamping, uh, illegal legal tamp- tampering period uh, that leads up to the tampering period. <laughs> Golly. Well, and so Chad, as you glance over to the chat, I'm sure you can't really reply to any of those uh any of those questions. So just a wait and see approach until next week. Yeah. Uh I think Brendan Soresby will somebody be somebody absolutely that UC looks at. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um now I will say this, like when you know. I've been told many a times this is going to happen. Uh, a lot of the times it does happen. Right. And some of the times it doesn't happen. And I, I haven't been told anything like that on Soresby, but like, you know, there, there's going to be guys that when they first hit the portal are like, Ooh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then somebody else jumps in or whatever. And it doesn't make a lot of sense anymore. Or that player finds the right level. And it's not you. It's yeah. or or team B says, Oh, didn't even notice him at first. Right. Let's let's so, pony up and go get the guy. But uh there's a, a lot of work that goes into the next couple of weeks, fig filtering through what's real, what's not real. I guess that's what I'm getting at is like you hear a lot of things. If I reported all the things I hear my reputation would not be nearly as good as it is because a whole freaking bunch of them would be wrong. Yeah. You're you'd be like, a, you're, uh, you'd be like a baseball player. You'd be hitting like somewhere in the two fifties, two, two eight. I, I, I'd at least be like a three thirty guy. Ooh. No, you're, putting fame, you're putting yourself in hall of fame numbers. That's just reporting Slap everything hitter. you hear. Flap hitter. No, uh, no power, but uh, a lot of singles. Ichiro lot of singles. Suzuki. Okay. Right. Ichiro Brendelski. win. <laughs> Trivia question for you, Aaron. Here we go. Or Trivia. Brent. Ooh, I, I want this one to go to Brent. Okay. Tony Gwynn trivia. Okay, ready. Did Tony Gwynn have A, more assists as a college point guard, or B, more strikeouts in the MLB. as a major league yes, baseball player? A assists in college basketball. That's correct. As the point guard at San Diego State, I saw that Tony Gwynn had more assists as a college point guard than he did in what a than a a twenty year uh, career. He was a hooper in Major League Baseball. I wait. I waited on Tony Gwynn at a Radio Shack one time. I think I've told that story before. Good little dap up. No, I just heard. It's funny because you guys both in in your younger years were, you know, small and athletic, and then and then came we got that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the, the, you'll never 
being a sports nerd, like you know, Tony Gwynn has a very distinct voice. And I was I was helping out at the downtown, like the Carew Tower Radio Shack that day. And uh you're just running through people, right? Ringing them yeah. out, getting them out, getting them out, getting them out. And all of a sudden he dropped a bunch of like cables and cords for his video setup in his room. And he, he spoke and all, like everything for me just was like, motherfucker, Tony Gwynn. <laughs> Wait, Wait a second. Up, and he could see that like right away. And he gave me like the, like, let's keep this. Mm-hmm. Don't freak out. <laughs> it was funny. Love it. Love it. Um, should we time stamp this little football portion? I, I yeah, I I'm we... done with football. I mean, we're gonna have all off season to do yeah. this, right? I agree. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Uh, Call Nick, 513, or excuse me, uh, 513-470-2029 to get 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom. And I'm going to double down on that because, you know, there's there's a watch show tomorrow for the game against Howard. Doors open 6 p.m. 7 p.m. is the tip. Ryan Geist. Since he rains, since he light, lock it in, Bearcat Journal. But if you're driving there to the to to the spot, or you know you're you're getting an Uber there, and your Uber driver says, "Oh, I've been having some trouble with my brakes recently," tell him to go to Dan Cook Transmission and Auto Care, please. Tell tell him to say that that to talk to Dan Co. Joe, and and tell your Uber driver leave me a five star review, please. Let him know. Hey, I sent you. That's right, Ryan Royer. <laughs> say your name's Ryan Royer and say that you sent him to Danco Transmission and Auto Care from the BVP, and uh, he'll he'll get himself what ten percent off next service, ten dollars off next fixing, uh, next uh, oil change, if you will. Danco Transmission and Auto Care, love you, Joe. Um, Howard tomorrow road game spread ten and a half. Ken Palm's got an eighty to sixty-eight score prediction. Ken Palm, the same website that uh, Wes Miller says he doesn't give much credence to until we're 10 games in at the very least, has the 5-0 Bearcats, 35th in the country. Ken Palm, yes. Also has a, a, a plethora of Big 12 teams in, within the top 35 with Cincinnati, so it's going to be a fun co- conference. But outside of that, Howard, tomorrow, first true road game with this team. Howard's a team that, you know, they – they lost to Georgia Tech kind of in a last-second scenario. Uh, have a handful of losses as well, but a couple of wins thrown in there. Not necessarily a team to, to, to get too scared about, 230th in Kempom. Uh, they've only beaten Hampton, Boston University, and Mount St. Mary's, but it is a true road game. Guys, thoughts heading into that one? What are you excited to see? What are you – wanting to or hoping that uh is the outcome other than a win but the uh, first true road game that, that's something you got to have a little at least a little bit of a thought heading into it i am most excited that they moved this game onto espn plus instead of just being on howard tv <laughs> right yeah it was not sounding uh who's gonna be gonna be interesting 
for the very least. Especially at a place like Rheingeist, I'm sure that's a uh, situation where you'd have to do an HDMI plug-in thing, and you're like, okay, we have it on this one TV here. In the year two, around it. In the year 2023 of my Lord and Savior, Jesus, what are we doing with this game only on Howard TV? Well this done. Is what we, this is what we created in sports, Aaron, where the haves have all the money and the have-nots do their games on Howard TV. Right. Cool. Throw, throw them a freaking bone here. Well done on whoever got it done. Just well done. I'm happy. I'm just happy Very to start happy. on Flow Sports TV or whatever that was. That I mean, I feel like Howard TV would have been the equivalent of that. As far as broadcast, no, without having to pay the five dollars or whatever the flow, flow whatever the flow sports, sports cost was, it's like twenty dollars. It's stupid. The whole I thing bought about it. that was no, of course you did. We that all bought it. It's still stupid. No, you could still you could still illegally stream it. Is what you could do. You're a criminal. You are a criminal. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not certain what they were doing. Making us pay $20 for that stream was also not criminal. Whoa. Was that, <laughs> was that your door, Aaron? No. <laughs> but yeah, it is on ESPN Plus, 7 p.m. tip. Um, aside from that comment, Aaron, anything else, you guys? Uh, first true road game. That's, that's got to be the main. That's the big thing for me, main. yeah. Let's see how they play on the road. Yep, hoping they kind of keep that cohesiveness I was alluding to in the past couple weeks. I felt like they were playing with, and I feel like they have that good bond. I feel like that culture kind of really developed well um, over the offseason, and now throwing Aziz in there, getting him another game under his belt, um, seeing how he fits in and try to help. I'm excited, and I'm hoping that he can kind of establish the presence again and you know really take another step forward and getting back to his game and getting solidified as – our big time presence inside. I'm all for another 30 to two run. I like those. Those were fun. <laughs> that those means are, those a good time. Those are those damn are fun. Time. Ryan, did you get yeah. to watch that Georgia Tech game at all? No, I was I was back home. I was hanging out with the family. I wasn't in, into too much TV. Throw on weekend. throw on the replay whenever you will feel like it. I, it is Ryan, Ryan. Just all you have half. to do, go to the start of the second half, and in 10 minutes you'll be done. <laughs> And yeah, you'll be like, what the hell just happened? Because that's exactly what it felt like. Maybe check Aziz's first handful of minutes. Yeah, maybe. Okay. Yeah, in the first half. Um, but yeah, I mean, that okay. was it's hard to remember having that much fun. In, I mean, it was a, like, Ryan, the start of the second half was like 37 to 5. That sounds yeah, like, like some the, good basketball. The first eight minutes of the second half, nine minutes, and they, they scored 30 in six minutes, which yep. is almost humanly impossible. To right. Do. <laughs> it was phenomenal. But, um, it, you know, it, what if I told you one of the players that uh, – one of the featured players on Howard's team graduated in the class of 2016 out of high school? Royer. Yep, Ohio when kid, did, right? Royer, when did you graduate high school? 17. This guy graduated the year before you. And he's really? from Columbus, right. Ohio. Ryan's still got a year of eligibility. I know. I got some time in me. Seth Towns. Do you remember that name, Roy? Oh, I remember him. Yeah, because he was he was uh he was a big name in the city. Was yeah. he uh was it Gahanna? Is that where he went? Uh I think so. I I can't what, what high school? 
Yeah. Let's take a look. Well, because I know he, he might have uh, been teamed up with Nick Ward. Yeah. Had a nasty team. He was. He was. Yeah. They and they they, they played high school and a they played high school and AAU together. I think Seth might not have been in the scrimmage. I think he he must have been doing something. Northland. There. It was Northland. Oh, yep. Northland. Yep, that's what it was. Because they were all, they were yep. the other powerhouse. Yeah. They were a city league team. They they dominated the city league. That's where um, the other big kid went too. Sullinger. Sullinger. Yeah, Sullinger went, went there, and I think another. Oh, who was it? I mean, they were always loaded. Yeah, they had another dude that went there around that time. They were good. There, that was that was some good basketball back then. Columbus had North a lot of good high teams. school man. So Royer, he's going to be playing against the Bearcats tomorrow. That's pretty crazy. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he he was at Ohio State. He got hurt one year. Harvard, then Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. Now he he's so he's been in college. This is year eight, I think. And he's he's wow. only played four seasons, or three like three and a half four seasons because he's been hurt. Like that's how he's still around, is he's gotten like three medical red shirts to keep keep playing. So he's the dude from Memphis, essentially. Yeah, no, yeah, because yeah. that dude actually like didn't like he didn't start playing college basketball until he's like twenty one. DeAndre Williams, he like worked in a factory or something. Like he. Like he was like he was a grown ass man, and then somebody talked him into playing college basketball. <laughs> so he pulled a then, BYU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He went on a he went on a, he went on a Memphis mission, which means you work in a factory and you work your ass off. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, Towns had stats from the 2016-2017 season, the two thousand seventeen two thousand eighteen season. Then didn't play until the twenty twenty one season. Then didn't play again until this year. Right. So it's a. Uh, a wild, wild road that he has towed, but yeah, he's, he's going to be strapping it up tomorrow against the uh, Trey he's Burke as well. Went to North seven North. kids. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Juwan Briggs style. Juwan Briggs, Briggs having his his kid out there for the coin toss. Yeah, that was a good moment. I loved it. Good, good moment. Holt Holt thinks he's, he's going to college. That's, that's good. That's a good one. Good job there, fake John Kobe. Good job. Oh but, um, man. But yeah, I I think there's going to be a lot of things obviously to watch when it comes to the uh basketball team. It's a it's a big week to just win these games, get them get them under your belt cuz then after that it's 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 shootout week. So um it's going to yeah. be just, I mean, Howard's not going to be easy and Florida Gulf Coast won't no, be easy. Like they're going to no, have to Yeah. You're going to have to play well. Florida Gulf Coast played IU really well. At IU, IU does. At, I mean, they're, they're not terrible, but yes, they they are very they are very good. But <laughs> uh, the thing about this team that's that's been awesome to watch is you know the the Aziz effect kind of seemed pretty doggone immediate. Where de- on the defensive side of things, you can just tell how much more they amp up the pressure on the outside, knowing that he's back there to protect them. Uh, then, then offensively, he's always a loud threat, and he also finished some good, you know, post moves. And got got defensive rebound stick. Uh, sorry, offensive rebound stick back. I think uh, you're starting to see that that mesh and that uh, kind of work out on the team as a whole. So excited that basketball is finally back tomorrow, and uh, I've I've severely missed it, but it's it's here. Um, anything else basketball wise, guys? I, 
don't want to gloss over it too much, but I know you guys had some shows from in between Wednesday to now, so not really. It's been a little while, so you know, yeah. Um, we'll we'll crank it back up tomorrow night with uh with coverage, and then uh, I think BCJ pod on Wednesday this week, but uh, yeah, George and I will be be doing the the post game show, if you will. There you uh, go. We, we go live after after that game's over. So, Vic, um, you saw that that Evan Maya rankings twenty first. Yeah, he said, Evan Maya himself showed up in my DMs and said, "I oh, thought yeah. you would be interested in this." Yeah, and I said, "Thank you, good sir." Evan's been sending you. me those too. Yeah, I yeah I I, I tweeted it out right away. Um, 21, 21st in the country, most usage. I, it, it's wild. So like Evan was sending me stuff when he only had like a couple hundred followers. Now he's like mm-hmm. the yeah, he's big. second most analytical guy behind Ken Palm. Not, not really Bart, Bart Torbett's up there as well, but yeah. Evan's starting to get the mention from Ken Palm. It's like, go check out. He's Evan. in the game. He's in the game. He's in the game. <laughs> throw it to, yeah, throw it to the guy. He's in the game. But uh, yeah, 21st most valuable player right now, if you will, or most, you know, kind of, important player if you will i i imagine those numbers are going to fluctuate throughout the year but you look at the other names on that listing and it's just high level players for high level teams and you add in aziz and all these other pieces with with vic having that much of an importance it's it's going to be an exciting game team to watch throughout the year um and man if they can continue to build momentum heading into the big 12 then it's going to be uh, it's going to be an exciting first year in the Big Twelve as well. I agree. Uh, let's go ahead and time a stamp it, and uh, we can uh, head into the mailbag. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products, to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick at five one three. 470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Um, also, before we get into the mailbag. Yes, sir. Brought to you by our good friends at Home Field Apparel. You've got until midnight. you got like two hours left to get 20% off the entire site. Code Black Friday, one word, all caps. Go to the Bearcat line. Oh, 1954 baseball championship shirt from Home Field Apparel. They have incredible hoodies, incredible joggers. You name it, Home Field has it uh, in terms of your vintage Bearcat collection. So you, you hurry up. There's a bunch of you here. If you don't have your Home Field stuff now, 20% off. You got until midnight. Go. Run. Go. Speaking of apparel, before we dive into the mailbag, I did want to give a shout out. Congratulations to Keegan Nickerson of the uh, of of the the BCJ here. Uh, congratulations on the engagement this weekend, Keegan. And uh, it was uh, so. It looked like he engaged. He made he made his proposal when the sun was up. Did you see the picture from all part? I did. It was daylight out. You know so what it wasn't. He, he you know what it, it wasn't at kickoff Saturday night. There, the sun was not out. Are, you're saying he could have made it to the game, possibly. I, technically, I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just saying, like, he he was available. 
Although he he did post a picture with with all of his friends wearing BCJ hats, so yeah, I'll get, like they get a, a little bit of a reprieve for that for repping right. the brand. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't yeah. get the memo on vacation days for BCJ. When did we start getting those? You uh, really want to go there? You got a vacation every day, baby. You really want to go there? <laughs> I want to. I want to know about these vacation days. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. They're unpaid, just like Keegan's. <laughs> all right all right the mailbag there the y'all came out strong today in the mailbag i don't even understand the season's over in football what are we doing here uh maybe the biggest football mailbag we've had all season <laughs> royer has to answer all, right. all of them every single one all right i did filter out some ridiculous ones so no uh, he has to answer those too no no, I'm, I'm not no. reading them. So I actually am kind of curious um, now through that. <laughs> we could have won the My Miami BYU Baylor and UCF game had all the stars aligned perfectly. We could have been seven and five and bowl eligible. We would still hypothetically have all the same roster. Issues just with better luck. Do you think when it is all said and done that going three nine and exposing our weaknesses as a program will better propel us forward than lucking into a seven and five record and masking many of our issues as we approach the team culture, the portal, and recruiting in the future? Uh, you think it's never good? Yeah, I would rather be seven and five, but I do think Every it time. is an added an added embarrassment scale too. But I, I think. I'm I'm confident that the problems that would need to be addressed at seven and five are the same problems that need to be addressed now and that will be addressed going forward. I don't think that I don't think the coaches would just gloss over those. And if they would, then they won't be here very long. So I don't think that it makes a difference. I'd much rather be seven Look, and five. It's a it's a wild situation, right, Ryan? Like what what do we know? We know that the previous staff got to the end of year one, and if the transfer portal would have been a thing, they'd have tossed James Wiggins into it. Yeah. And then you get to spring ball in year two, and all of a sudden they start to see that their preconceived second. notion on him maybe was a little different than what they had thought. Um, and we talked to Brady about that. They thought he smiled too much. They didn't think he was serious. They thought he, he wasn't. He wasn't a dog. He didn't have that dog in him. Mm -hmm. And then guess what happened in year two is he won like three games by himself of <laughs> this same variety that this team couldn't win, right? Mm -hmm. He put the dagger in people. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Yeah. Plus his hand winning is, the portal. Winning is always better, Killer V. You know that. Yes. Losses are never, losses are never, never good. We lost our lad. I mean, we did. That's that's not great. Um, I guess I'll. And uh, that's the mailbag. <laughs> Wait, did, did did he bow out? Fill in for him. No, he he got. I, I think it's internet or something. Oh, on it. The, the damn um, converter, the damn generator, going up and athened him. He, uh, what's more that. likely, UC Mark wants All to know, those... what's more likely to come through the portal, a starter-level offensive tackle or a starter-level linebacker? 
Um, I would probably say linebacker because mm-hmm. offensive starter level offensive tackles are very expensive. Yeah. Not that starter li- level linebackers are cheap, but starter power five level offensive tackles, everybody wants them. Nobody wants to give them up. And if they're in the portal, there's going to be a lot of people that want to pay them a lot of money to come play tackle for their team. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, in, in recent years, I think Cincinnati got pretty lucky with, with finding some some gems. Yeah. But that was before the whole crazy Dino NIL. Boyd. Before the crazy. Dino Boyd know, was a dog. Dino oh, Boyd, you knew dog. that the first day the pads came on at higher ground. You're like, oh, Look, shit. Were you like, hold this on. This guy's about his business. <laughs> Dino and, Boyd walked like, I've never, I've, honestly, it's one of the few times I've ever seen anything like it. Dino Boyd walked in sight unseen because they signed him late and he arrived late and he didn't go through summer workouts. He walked into camp higher ground day one, like walked to left tackle and went. You saw it on Fickle's face too. Like I remember about that after he did stuff. a one-on-one rep, uh, one of the one-on-ones. And I just remember just like looking over at Fickle. Fickle was just, I was like, damn. <laughs> right. Like, all right. Let's do my got something here. He, he I don't remember who it was, but but he 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 fucking bodied someone up in there. Of like that would have been more times. Cortez. Uh, yeah, because that was my freshman. That year. was year two, right? That was year two when it was the land of misfit toys with Garrett yep. and him and Trout and <laughs> Trout. Yeah. Oh man, what Morgan. a guy! Morgan. Yeah, James, Morgan yep. James. Yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, that like. Dino, Dino was though, man. Like he didn't, he wasn't a man of many words. But if we put the helmet on to play left tackle, like yeah. I'd take him right now. If you told me yeah. Dino Boyd was at left tackle next year, I might predict an extra win or two. Oh yeah, that dude was a yeah. beast. Well, I, I think you kind of saw that this year as well, where you know obviously they got a little bit of a late start to it, but they they went they added Wilder, who was kind of a bit of a. I wouldn't say project, but kind of a, you know, a Juco type scenario. And then, of course, you had DeAndre Buford, who was probably more suited to be an interior offensive lineman if you really look back at it. But and but they had him out at tackle as well. So I think you definitely have a chance to, to bring someone in linebacker-wise. I mean, you look at Ivan Pace, man. I I, I mean, obviously, there's the connection there with that. But, but I, I just think there's a lot more linebackers that are going to be in the right. portal than – high quality starting offensive tackles. Yeah, exactly. And honestly though, like, look, man, you're gonna tell me Jonathan Thompson's not a starting linebacker for this team next year. And, and Dangle. Yeah. And Dangle. Like I think we know where that's headed. Mm-hmm. So uh whew, it's a lot. It's a, that's it's a requirement of a long list. What would be a list of 10 younger guys you think we can't afford to lose? Uh, I mentioned bringing in top-end talent, replacing the bottom of the roster, while also keeping the freshmen and sophomores that chose talent and promised to be in the top of the two-deep depth chart. Uh, Shimana Miles would have been on his list. I would potentially agree with that just on talent alone. But as we've talked about, uh, you know, Shimon had other plans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Miles obviously felt similarly. So, should we each say three? Should we say three each and see if we can't just three. roll on? Yeah, okay. I'm not doing ten. That's right. that's right. entirely that's too high. Yeah. 
Um, Aaron gets mad when we have these 50, 60 minute uh, mailbags. Yeah. Three <laughs> each. Let's start with eyes. let's start with Royer. Underclassman <laughs> Royer. Three underclassmen that you would love to see stay. Or just younger guys in general. I feel like all the guys that are leaving, they got two years left, so they're really not young guys, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of the guys leaving are guys you played like played with for a year yeah. or two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Barry, Barry Jackson. I'll Barry draft Jackson. Barry Jackson, number one. Oh, that's a good one. Jonathan Thompson. I honestly, I honestly don't think I'll be able to name them off for you. Yeah. Well, honest. well, then we'll do it as a group. Barry Jackson, Jonathan, Jonathan Thompson. Thompson. Number two. Uh, yep. You can throw Dangle in there. Is he considered young? Yeah. Year three yeah. now. Sophomore. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, he he's not going anywhere. Ken Willis. Ken Willis has been all right. I'm really excited. You know, a guy I think is gonna we're gonna talk a lot about next year is Brian Sims. Okay. Uh, physically, I really like how that kid looks. Um, Kalen Carroll will have a chance. I'm sure there's going to be quite a bit of competition in that safety room uh, going forward. What about Bird coming um, back? Get healthy? I don't think so. Yeah. Drogash, he's probably Drogash. I mean, yeah, he's up there for sure. Do you see him making a run at the job? Uh, at the job for next year, another, I think he, he needs, needs another, another year. year. Yeah, I think he needs another year, at least more where he's in that second string role potentially, where he gets an opportunity to win that second string role, where he can yeah. get reps with the twos and cycle in with the ones. Like, I think that's an important next step in his progression. Um, before he just jumped straight from third team to first team, that worries the crap out of me. Um, uh, Ethan Green, mm, Ethan Green is like in his fifth or fifth year, he's not young by any stretch. And no, he's not, Ethan Green uh, is not in his fifth year. Oh, not Ethan Green. I thought Ethan Wright was in oh. my brain. What I heard, um, Ethan Green, yeah, depends on what they bring in a tackle. Like, if they don't get immediate help a tackle, then he gets fast-tracked to the front of the line. Tyler Gillison as well. Yeah, with Jamal Williams. I mean, that opens the door for Tyler Gillison for sure. Mm -hmm. Good list, guys. Good list. Do we think Threats is leaving? All right. Moving on. <laughs> Sorry about bouncing out. Moving on. You got Aaron was like, Does public Aaron was like, the main thing. Unpaid vacation. Fuck this podcast. Huh? And he was gone. <laughs> I, I was taking some vacation minutes I, that I've accumulated here. Uh, I just took some Let's vacation go. minutes. Uh, does public fan negativity, uh, booing, tweeting, etc., cause more overall harm than most fans are willing to admit? Uh, Ryan, how much of the noise do you hear? <laughs> they didn't <don't>, lose. <laughs> booing, it's like kind of like all right i mean i guess we know we're playing bad it's kind of icing on the cake it's not gonna like it's it's not gonna like affect anything that we're doing because we already know when we're playing like shit I mean, i'm not telling you, you can boo all you want like your fans you you have your opinion on on how we're playing and if you're booing we're probably playing pretty bad 
Um, but it's not going to like make us like all woe is me or anything. Cause we already really know that we got to sharpen up. So I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to it. I think it's, it's good to kind of set the tone. Like, Hey, we expect more. Um, but you know, there's definitely a lot of tweets, uh, that are very cra- Like when they were booing Ben Bryant, like that was, I think that was ridiculous. It's pretty on par with a lot of the tweets surrounding that situation as well. Um, but tweeting, you're, you're never going to get rid of stupid tweets. So, but so it doesn't really do that much harm anyways, because players know it's ridiculous. I mean, I think it it does have an effect overall too, though, you know, just negative energy. You're saying, yeah, just like, I mean, vibes, vibes go a long way. And if, if you're getting boobers left and right, I'm sure you're, you're probably not really loving going out there to try and prove I, wrong, I guess. Yeah. Like, we don't – like, I. it's just like the fans aren't going to alter our, like, our scheme and how we execute in terms of what we think we need to do to win. They caught – but they do affect the game greatly in terms of the environment for the other team and encouragement. Right. But in terms of, like, no cheer or boo is really going to yeah. re-alter our scheme and re-alter our ability to execute. Yeah, I feel that. Brent's out here. Good vibes only, guys. Good vibes only. Good vibes are great. Hey, hey are you, good, heard, you heard John Cunningham say it too, man. Momentum's a big thing. <laughs> Just give it Come on now. All right. Uh, how do you think when your transfers feel about – the program they go to, although I know it may end up depending on the kid or the success of the team. I do wonder if dudes like Emery and DG even consider themselves Bearcats this past year, especially given how poorly the year went, but at least speaking for myself, I hope they do. Any thoughts on that? I will say knowing both of those kids, uh, I think they felt like part of the program. I mean, the level is going to be impacted just because they never really got to experience like what the winning is like. Um, so it leaves you in a, in a tough spot. Like, I don't know that there was one, but like if there was a one year transfer on the 2021 team, I bet they had a great time. <laughs> right. Like they, they won every game. They went to the college football playoff. Uh, they got to play in in Jerry World. I, I'm pretty sure they had an awesome time of it. Yeah. And um, the vibe from Emory and DG, like I said, those were good dudes. Like I, I don't think they will walk away really with anything negative to say about their time here. I understand the question. I think they're more or less asking if they were really like involved, like emotionally tied to the rivalry games and. Yeah, I think though I'm just saying I think those two particular examples, yes, I do think that. I think all the losses hurt Emory for sure. Uh if all else is equal, what is the higher priority when evaluating portal prospects? Number one, proven player with one year of eligibility, or number two, player with multiple years eligibility that has played but still needs some development. I think one. Um, you want to recruit and develop your guys first before developing. Well, a, one is a guy that just is here, like come and go. It's a yeah. rental player, essentially. Yeah. Um, I, 
I think it depends yeah. on where you're at as a program, right? Like if if you're a team that feels like you've got nine, you know, really solid starters on defense and you can go out and, and add a one-year guy that gives you 10, I think that's a pretty high priority because you can you can close a, a gap on a team that you feel is ready for a championship. If you're where Cincinnati is right now, I think you have to look at as many, you know, multiple year guys as you can can stomach. Um, but when now, so you do have to find a couple spots where the one year guys maybe make sense. Like it's it's a it's a sliding scale on that. Like it's hard to answer because all else is never equal. I guess is the the right way to say it, right? If all else is equal, well, it can't be equal because every situation requires a different philosophy. Nobody else? That he was gone. I'm good. I'll be right back. All right. Question for Royer. What is the end of the season talk like for walk-ons? Is it like good job on scout team and please stay? How were you informed about getting placed on scholarship slash how did it feel? Um, Yeah, for walk-ons, it would be kind of like if you don't want to play anymore, you go tell your coach, like, I don't want to play anymore. And, you know, pending your role on the team and the type of player you are, they will either – ask you to reconsider or they'll kind of just say, well, thanks for your time. We were, we appreciate it. And you pack your stuff up and leave. Um, but what was the second Did you part? ever think How about leaving? Me? Oh, not, a, yeah. not once, not for a millisecond. Never. I love it. What did it. you say to your, your walk on brothers that did? Bearcat strong. I would just tell them like, <laughs> I, I would tell him like, you know, this is hard. You're not getting paid. You're not playing. Like we, I mean, I love having you here on the team. If I had a relationship with them and I would always tell him like, it's always worth it. But I was kind of, there were times I was in a better spot than some other walk-ons in terms of I got to travel. I got to play in games sometimes where some guys weren't able to do that. So it does, sometimes it does, it doesn't always feel like it's paying off, you know, cause you don't got to make a wish block punt. <laughs> yeah yeah but i i just love the game so much so i i wanted i wanted to be on be on the team and play i i loved cincinnati i loved my teammates and i wanted to be a part of everything at, at all times but you know some some guys are different they have different experiences um so it's not really the same story but in terms of the the scholarship um the first time I got put on scholarship, I was, um, it was the spring going, the spring in between my second and third year. And Coach Fickle just, I, I've told the story before where I was just in practice and Jared Dokes and I like smashed heads on a blitz pickup. I'm all out of it. And Coach Fickle's like, oh, come up to my office after practice. I was like, okay. But I was kind of all banged up. Didn't really know what was going on. Go up there. He's like, listen. You had a concussion. A <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I got checked out by by Mr. Himmler and the, the neuro guy. I, I cleared. 
somehow. I was slipping the neuro guy at 20, though. Um, <laughs> um, and he's like, I don't want to make a big deal out of this. Um, it's not really what I want to do, but you're on scholarship now, so sign this. We really appreciate what you're doing. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And then after that, it was like a a, a by semester thing because when the new recruits would come in, we'd lose scholarship spots. But when after the season, um, we'd have openings because guys would graduate, guys would transfer. So there'd be um, a limited amount of scholarships that the staff would award to walk-ons they felt deserved deserved that. So I would kind of get a rotating thing where I'd be on in the spring, summer, but off in the fall. And that carried from all the way through my last year. Um, but then they put me on scholarship in the, uh, the fall, my fifth year, they kind of, that's kind of like a thing they do for guys that have like stuck it through and like, like did, did a lot for the program. And then honestly, um, something that, that happened that makes one of the many reasons why I love coach fickle was he, um, he let me stay on scholarship uh, after I stopped in the fall of my fifth year, he kept me on scholarship through the spring semester to pay for my last uh, semester of school and my board, like my apartment. Um, and yeah, it's, I never forget that because he didn't have to do that for me. Uh, he already did plenty for me um, in my career, and I I couldn't have asked for any more. But he he uh, blessed me with that. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I I love Coach Fickle, and I always swear by him because some doing something like that for me and doing stuff like that along those lines for other walk-ons and and just building a culture that promotes that kind of stuff. Um, that's why I love the man, but yeah, that was kind of an off spin from the question, but I do want to get back to one day. We, Brent, love, you, we love you too, though, Royer. So <laughs> give Brent, us put this sugar. in your, in your memory bank of questions for Ryan, like the difference between being on scholarship and being off and explaining that to people. I don't want to do it tonight because we're already two minutes and it's 10 in seconds into this thing. And it's probably a long answer. It's so in the memory book. Two hours right, and ten minutes, that. not two minutes and ten seconds. But oh, yes. two hours oh arid semantic man. Blah, blah, blah. Another question for Ryan. When did you feel like you <laughs> developed the most as a player during the offseason or during the season with live reps? Thanks. Uh I'd say biggest jump was um the offseason after my freshman year. And that's a lot of the guys will say that because it's your first real offseason with Brady and the boys in your first spring ball that's when you learn the most that's you learn the most about the defense you learn the most about football and in general and you're getting the most live reps against like your best uh, competition because it's good on good all spring um yeah my, my game my, my strength made tremendous strides in the way you're in my speed my athleticism and then kind of having to hone that all in and learn the defense and get more comfortable because your freshman year you're, you're just learning shit you your head spinning but in that spring ball you kind of learn it and you get it down and you see the the biggest jumps with walk-ons um recruits everyone everyone takes that big uh first off-season jump into your second year all right that is the Football portion of the mailbag, I do believe. 
Um, moving on to the basketball portion. Uh, uh, but before you do the basketball portion real quick, I did want to give a shout-out. Bearcats are receiving votes in the AP poll. Shout-out to that. Let's hope that it happens. But special shout-out to Brian Holland of WVLA-TV, WGMB-TV. Had the Bearcats in 24th on his top 25, getting them the uh, others receiving votes tally. Can you guys take a guess where this man is from, where this gentleman, Brian Holland, is from? No. Negative. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Got ourselves okay. a little fan down there. Good on maybe, it. Maybe the, you know, who knows? It was Tari Eason connection. He's like, wow, these going to attract I'm sure that's, back, maybe. that's probably definitely it, Brent. You know, I mean, Probably, yeah. You nailed it. No Wait, waiting, on, waiting on that Scott Springer vote. Uh, Scott Springer doesn't vote for the AP on basketball. That's unfortunate. Any plans to incorporate current or former student managers into the BCJ content package? That's the first question in your basketball portion of the mailbag. Uh, no. <laughs> Are there, are there direct plans that I've spoken about with anyone on that front? No, it hasn't come up in any of the meetings, um, but we'll add it to the agenda. I like those guys. Like I've known a bunch of the managers in the, yeah. the like the, those guys are great. Um, I'm, none of I'm them have ever expressed. Too, so we can... None of them have ever expressed to me a desire to uh, get into the field. They have not asked me and, to be on the pod either. So. Right. So yeah. Uh, no, not yet. They do enjoy listening to the pod, though. So shout. Yeah, there's a lot of like they're great dudes. I love. I, I like a lot of them. I know a lot of them. I, I those are guys I regularly dap up yeah. in terms of like the content schedule. Uh, they have not. Uh, they've not cracked the content schedule yet. That's not to say they won't. Always open. Oh, Chato Chusinka, huh? Jamar Chase. We stole that. Anyway, um, with Tyler McKinley coming in next year, do you see his game mimicking a true five or more of a stretch four like Vic seems to be excelling in this year? I don't see Tyler as a five. Um, I see him as a unique four. Uh, if he can ex like like more consistently shoot the ball from the perimeter, which I think he'll develop you know, with more work over time, then you could probably label him a stretch four, but he's a guy that plays really well from the mid post. He can really pass. Um, he rim runs really well. Like I, I see him at the four, but I don't know. There's like, he's kind of somewhere between like a traditional four and a stretch four. If that makes sense. Like he's kind of a blend of the two, which makes him different, which you, you hope that's part of what makes him good. Uh, as a college player, is he can kind of give you a little bit of both of those things. Yeah, I, I mean, what what did Mick Mick? I'm not Mick. Uh, uh, Wes mentioned um, Draymond Green <laughs> was a was a name brought up when when thinking of it. I mean, that's just a a simple. I, I was trying to find another one. Someone mentioned something else about it. I know. I just you know that's a comparison between one of the nicest humans on the planet and a complete asshole. Oh, I I. So, Draymond is the one guy in the, in, in the NBA that I just simply cannot stand. He but sucks. yeah, so 
Yeah. Uh, All right. Um, the people need Bergy Knights. No question, just a simple statement. I haven't heard from like usually I let Berg determine that. Um, when when he kind of went and uh started really focusing on the landscaping business, I said, Look, if you ever want to be on a show, call me. If you ever want to write an article, send it to me and I'll post it. Um, so that's kind of in his corner when he's when he's ready to talk about this team. I'll get a call one afternoon uh, as he's driving around saying, hey, I want to tag in, Let's and go. I will let him tag in. That's how it works with Berg. That's kind of our agreement. A Bergy nightcap in the future, I see. I'll, I'll be shocked uh, if he's not actually giving his time and energy into this team. Yeah. Oh, at some point in time in the near future, we're going to get Berg pacing around his house at 1130 at night doing a nightcap. Without question. Aaron, what is up with you not loving threes, Aaron? Moving on. Plays of the game. Number one, Aziz. First block of the game, tone setter. Number two, date eight behind the back. Step back for the two-point right baseline. Number three, CJ's two threes back-to-back to help continue the run. Um, I This game is so long ago, I can't remember if there were any that I would put in the top three, but uh dan's dunk uh, it was a big one for me um but i would go aziz first block of the game like the the energy in that building was ready was oh, yeah. ready for it and then within a minute of Delivered coming in immediately yeah. he just immediately like tracks somebody from the weak side like i said it was like a a lion stalking its prey right the ball went up in the air and he spanked it into the student section it was like oh, okay yeah like this is this the weight was worth it. This is different. I, I, I turned to you right away. I said that would have been a layup. The yeah. first couple of games. I can't yeah. wait to get a, a non-break student section and just full pack well, non-holiday. Like said in, the, uh, in the chat, I, I think that Georgia Tech game probably really enthused the fan base a lot. If you go and you win by double digits on the road, I, I imagine that the crowd's going to be pretty nice this weekend. Um, but I Aside from that, I will mention the uh, the number three on this list, CJ's two threes. That run was some of the most fun I've ever had at fifth third. So, yeah, the only so, argument I would have against that is by the time he hit those two threes, the game was out of reach. Oh, yeah. It was just like insult, just piling on. I just kept on just like point. sitting back in my chair, like what, what. <laughs> but yeah, definitely Brian, you're okay, is moment number one. Yeah, is, Brian, you're is, okay. Brian, Don't sweat it. Is he is he ring of black? Well, I did. My computer's been all sorts of crazy, as we know. I disappeared for about ten minutes. I do have him here as a. We'll get to it. I promise. Anyway, uh, um, yeah. League play losses over under number one. You see at nine. I think that's right about where they're going to be. Under nine losses. There's the Brent I know and love. What you think they're going to lose half their conference? Game? I just I expect you to answer that way, even if I said over under five. I'm with Brent. Thank you, Royer. I, I do think the way things are starting to play out, like there is a um, a bottom of the conference that's starting to develop, and UC has, I believe, six games against that group. West Virginia, get, OK State, UCF. Yeah, yeah. If you get four or five wins there. 
then 10 is all of a sudden starting to look a lot more reasonable. Um, I would, my guess, if you ask me right now, would be nine and nine. I'm going to, I'm going to also say under though. I'm, I'm with Brent. Uh, hey! Houston, Houston six. Man, I, I mean, uh, I think they'll lose five or six again. Under. That's I'll, I'll take the under, uh, but I think it's going to be really close. I, they've had some times in the American where they were, they slid a little bit. Like they had a week where they weren't as sharp. Um, uh, all the only thing I care about is they they win their next game. Right. I'm going to say over. You think they lose at least seven? I think they lose seven at least. Yes. Fair. Okay. I'm not going to argue. Number one team in Ken Palm right now. Going to get a rude awakening. They're really good. They are good. Brent? I already said under. Oh, okay. Uh, Oklahoma 8. I think they'll have more than that. I'll go over. I'll go. I'll go. Uh, I think right at 8, but maybe under. They they look pretty damn good this past week. Everyone has Oklahoma and Texas circled in a red Sharpie on their calendar. <laughs> and it's going to be over on, on 8. Yeah. I mean, they look damn good. All right. Uh, I and USC pretty handily. Or... The last USC's point guard didn't stink. Then, Ooh, that. well, that's why I skipped. That's why I skipped over that question. I didn't think it was even last week. Well, we didn't need to ask it again. It was, it was a reevaluation question. Now that we're two weeks into his career instead of one week into his career, and yeesh, uh, that's why I, I didn't think it was worth asking. Um, any more 2024 high school prospects we should be tracking, or do you think we are done with high school players this cycle? Uh, <clears throat> right now, no. I don't think there's anybody specifically you should be tracking. Uh, that does not mean that they are out on high school players this cycle. As it, once the portal kicks up and once coaching changes kick up and rosters change and, you know, players react to that, there could be a, a high school player or two that pops up um, in the the chaos that has become March and April. Right now, I don't think there's anybody that they have, like, circled, okay, this 2024 guy. And, you know, there could also be some guys that that really, like, show a great deal of improvement during their high school season that maybe they were on the back of the radar before that play their way up. But you won't know that until we start to see those games. All right. And going back to the football mailbag, as I did have this, and it didn't save for whatever reason. Uh, this team seemed to fold the tent at the first sign of adversity numerous times this year. What can the coaching staff do to restore this program's toughness? Um, find the leadership. Yeah, that's a Royer question written all over it right there. Royer, am I right? Find the guys in the locker room that are going to say, bullshit. Okay, great. They scored a fucking touchdown. I don't care. Like, we're going to go out there and get the job done next time. Like, I, I just think I, it didn't feel like there was anybody on the team in the locker room that was going to grab somebody. Uh, we talked all the time about Dez getting up in front of the team at halftime of games or, you know, on Sundays or, or whatever. Like, Kobe, I, I think yep. that I think it has yeah. to be internal. 
I think you had a bunch of like support leaders. Yeah. Kind of that they never really had to take the reins and they never really felt what it was like to take the reins and, and lead from the front and lead with their voice, not only just their solid play and good demeanor. And then you have right. a bunch of positions being filled by transfers and those guys, I mean, they might be great dudes, but it's, it's in, it's nearly impossible to be a vocal and visual leader as someone who's never even been in the program. And you combine those two things and you're going to have, you're going to have a brittle team. I think that's what we were brittle. And um, that's something that they're going to, I know Nico is going to hone in on it and they gotta, gotta, gotta develop that, that resiliency, that bend don't break that regrouping mindset when shit gets bad. Um, they need that because that, like you said, Chad, it's a coin flip league, coin flip games, teams that fucking find a way to win that don't, that don't panic, yep. that don't fold. Those are the teams you're going to win those coin flip games. You're going to win three out of five of those. You're going to win four out of five of those. And then you get to the point where you establish that culture. You're winning all those games and you're at the top of the conference. Um, but yeah, that, that combination of, of kind of like, be, I think we all agree leaders we, we, with transfers. I think we all agree. We watched a team that when the going got tough, they didn't get going. Like they, they let the other team take the momentum and keep it too yeah. many times. Same thing. Big picture too. in the season problems seem to stick around. Yeah. Like things didn't really get fixed. If you were, if you felt you dis, like the coaching staff was undisciplined or the team was undisciplined, is that something that you can tighten up in the off season, or do you feel like you have to continue to be the same as what you were last season? I think it's definitely you could tighten up in the off season. It's you can make it a point of emphasis, even just in the weight room. Like what type, what type of finishers are you doing in the weight room? What type of drills? What type of lifts? How are you conducting those lifts? How are deviations from the culture treated? And then you start working into spring ball. And there there needs to, there is, there can be a clear-cut established mindset immediately. And if because we all know what spring ball spring ball sets the one sets the two deep for fall camp, which sets the two deep for the season. So guys know like if, if you if you want to find your way out on the field in the fall, spring ball is taken seriously. So if you want to make a point of emphasis of shit and you want guys that are going to respond to what kind of culture, what kind of mentality you want to have, you start in spring ball because that's when you're going to see the the guys that respond to it the best and guys that you're going to want to put out on the field that are replicating what you're teaching. Very good. And the last portion of the mailbag, of course, uh, the bank's. Uh, rapid fire. What are your go-to pizza toppings? Easy. Always pepperoni, sometimes sausage. I like meatball. Oh, of course, you're, you're a meatball. But uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. But I, exactly. I like, I like Supremo, like Supremo pizza. 
<laughs> I'll take the most Italian thing I can get. Hey, I'm taking the meatball. Can I get some fresh scoot on there? Got some prosciutto and arugula on there now. Some gabagool on that too. Only the only the mozzarella. Only the mozzarella. My friend, Gabby Devito's coming over. I know. I was about to say Devito, full on fucking Jersey Italian mafia, brother. I'm going over to Tommy Devito's mom's house. Dirty Italian is a kid. They're making the Sunday sauce. You know, I yeah, pepperoni and, and jalapeno. Ooh, all right. Good little za. My mine's 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 uh, pepperoni and sausage as well. Uh, pan regular or thin crust. My I'll favorite is my favorite is Sicilian. Like I like a pillowy, uh, delicious Sicilian pie. Um, Regular thin crust. I'm indifferent. Depends on the place. Like how good are you at at, at the individual discipline? Yes. Yeah, I concur. Pizza's delicious. Like it, it, just make it good. I don't care how you do it. Just make it good. New York style, Detroit style, Chicago style. Right. I like all that shit. I don't. I don't love. Gotta Sicilian be hand tossed New York well, style. You fold the crust up. <laughs> little well done on the bottom. You want a nice crisp Portnoy style, you know? That's he not got, Italian. That's New look, York. He got so pissed off at us talking about different styles. He actually put his phone down to respond. He's like, no, I've had enough of this. <laughs> no, my, my girlfriend texts me. She's like, how do I tune into the show? I'm like, you need to tune in for this segment. I just had to she's, send. <laughs> she's just now asking you this. You've been doing this for how long? Like a year uh, and a half he's been with us. Right, what's he started what's, at the beginning of last football busy, season. Bro. What's the he's perfect damn pizza, Royer? Okay. Royer, what's the perfect pizza? Hand tossed, hand tossed, New York style. You know. Wood fired, coal fired. Good undercare. Uh, I'd say wood fire. No, no coal pop. fire. Coal fire, brick. Brick, brick oven, fucking, brick coal fire. Brick yeah. Oven. Yeah. No, no, no flop. No flop. You're a I, you're such be, a portnoy. I got a good place I'll take you to. Know. Next time you're in Indy, you I let me too. know, Roya. We'll, we'll hook it up. Roya. Roya. Yeah. Hey Roya. You just let me know. Hey yeah, Roya. Let what me know. Uh who makes doing? the best calzone? I don't hmm. I don't know. I don't really eat calzones. I eat pizza. I'll tell you what, you go over to Martino's for Stromboli Tuesdays, and you can literally get a five dollar Stromboli probably the size of of Chad's head. They're and so that's big. saying a lot. That's, that's a big Stromboli. <laughs> yeah, they're right not there. a giant head. It's a big Stromboli. <laughs> right. These look, things are so look, two pictures are the size that, of my head. It is so big, dude. It is those ain't Polaroids. They, right they, they just fold a, they just fold a pizza in half at, at Martinez. The linebackers, Polaroids, the linebackers would go there like just like to Vaughn or whatever. We'd all go there for Stromboli Tuesday. And we, you guys know Joel, Joel's obsession with eating. He mm-hmm. would eat two of these things before oh, we would Jesus. eat one. Chad, I'm not kidding you. These things are, they are, they're bigger than a football. They're bigger than a football. Joel would eat two. So is my head. Yeah. That's, it's like an NFL size football, but bigger. Shouts <laughs> to Joel. Saw him at the game. Yeah. He, he was there. Always shout outs to Joel. Shout out to Joel. The boy. The boy. All right. And uh, 
The last question in the mailbag, should Chad be allowed to fight a BCJ member once a month and not have negative repercussions for his business? Oh. I'm not um, touching that one. I don't know that I would need a whole year. A BCJ just, member? Uh, don't, don't, there's just like, just, there's don't, just a couple. There's just a couple answering, this question like to... answer, answering this question doesn't do you any good. Hey, I don't pay you to tell me what to do. Um, there's a couple that I would like to smack around a little bit, but for the most part, it doesn't, there's not enough to fill a whole year. So if we can't fill a whole year, what's the point? That's the mailbag. Get us out of here, Brent. <laughs> That's a fair answer. Uh, basketball, finally back. It's going to be a wild, wild week in the other sports. So enjoy the game tomorrow night. Head over to Chad. Go ahead and plug it one last time. We'll be at Ryan Geist. Uh, doors open at 6. Game starts at 7. It's the one-year anniversary of the launch of Cincy Reigns. Come get you some Cincy Lights. Uh, I will be there. Uh, we will have a great time, and we will watch the Bearcats take on Howard. Uh, if I don't talk to you during the game, it's because I'm watching the game. I don't still like mad. you. I will wait. to If you can wait till a timeout, I will talk to you. Uh, if I ignore you as the game is being played, it's because I have to talk to Aaron about it when the game is over. <laughs> the Bison. The buys and a power. Before we leave, can we all wave goodbye to one of the worst seasons of recent memory? Of yeah, let's do it. Let's yes. Do it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Can we give it a collective see ya? Like Aaron yeah. does? Ready? One, two, three. See ya. See ya. See ya. <laughs> I like it. Gosh. No That's going to be wild, though. But, uh, I can't do it. Stay again. tuned in. Please, Satterfield. <laughs> We'll have all wall-to-wall coverage on all that. But uh, tomorrow night, Howard, as Chad mentioned, a special shout-out, special thank you as well to uh, to John Cunningham for coming on, giving us a, an hour of his time. It was awesome. Uh, shouts, of course, to Danco Transmission Auto Care, Home Field Apparel, and our guys, Quick Paper Supply. But uh, for my broadcast pals, partners, squad, Aaron Smith, Chad, Brenda, Ryan Royer, I am Brent Young. Get another fantastic BBP presented by Bearcat Journal. Dot com. See ya!